0: At Cocoa Talk, we'd like to thank the patrons who sponsor our show. So, our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Al Hartman, Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, Amigos Retro Gaming, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego. Patrick Randolph, Eric Canales, Frodo NL, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunk, Michael Pitsley, Rick Ulin, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Paul Thayer, Richard Lorbieski, Rob Inman, Steve Batson, Stephen Wagner, Terry Steen, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C, Tom S, Tim Limner, and Tony C. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own, and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encouraged. sense of humor recommended. If any off-color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS80 Color Baseball,
1: and you're listening to Coco Talk. <laughs>
2: the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's
3: time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock.
4: Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit
0: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Cocoa Talk, episode 195. Brand new channels, lots of new stuff to talk about, but we're still coming at you live, and we're talking Cocoa. Coco
4: Talk is rocking the 8 big world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8 big world.
5: <laughs>
0: good afternoon everybody and welcome to coker talk live episode one hundred and ninety five and we are streaming live on new channels so There's probably some people right now saying, where the hell are they? They're not on that old YouTube channel. Hey, man, I'm sitting here turning this hair knob here, and this doohickey ain't pulling up the feed, man. Hey, honey, Jiggle Dumb Nintendo's there for us. Yeah, so we are live streaming uh, on a brand new, uh, not not always new, but we have a new Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash Talk. We have moved from the OG Stevie Stroh channel back to the IMO Coconut channel on YouTube. So that's youtube.com slash I'm a coconut. Uh, we're always on Facebook, and we're also on the Twitters and uh, and the Snapchats and the Instagrams and the TikToks and the J dates and all those other places that you'll find us. Uh, but we're here. We are live. Links to the places you can find us live will be in the description of this video, and hopefully, the majority of our audience will find us and will come back. We're here. we got a great panel. We've got a hopefully good show for you today. That's still to be determined. But how about we go around the room and say, hey there, hi there, ho there, to the panel, to the Mouseketeers, how about we start in the top left-hand corner with our backup streamer and engineer, a guy we can always count on, Mr. Mark Bosley. Hello, Mark. Hello, everybody. Thank you for being here, and thank you for always being that reliable rock where we can uh, count on you to keep this train on the tracks you, at all times. Did you start the local recording? Uh, I have not started local recording since <laughs> whatever. It is what it's just, it's, it's
5: okay. just
0: whatever. Yeah, back up rehearsal.
5: New yes. tracks.
0: Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> speaking of backups, right? We have guys are a from Oh, Canada, the great white north,
6: L. Curtis Boyle. How's it going, eh? Hello, everyone. We did have a bit of a white out here. Uh, around the middle of the week, we had uh, uh, not too much snow. It was maybe an inch or two of snow, but we had 110 mile, kilometer an hour winds, about 70 miles an hour in our area. So we actually had you know, wet, sticky snow making snowballs and blowing it so hard it actually rolled up into large snowballs all over the place. And uh, there was one part uh, just north of Regina that actually had 143 kilometers, which is you know getting to low-grade hurricane status. So pretty wow. rare for January.
0: Wow, and there there's the news and the weather from Al Curtis Boyle on at that at the tone time. From my helicopter high. That's right. At the, right. the tone the time will be 206 p.m. Eastern standard time. Uh we have a guy whose name is so nice. We must say it thrice. We're talking about you know him, you love him. Uh, And guess what? The new the soundboard is not
7: working.
2: Where the wow. hell are you? Wow. <laughs> the old Coco
7: Talk, new channel. Yes. Well, you know him. His name is
8: Nick Morota. How you doing there, Nick? I'm doing great. I'm kind of wondering if people might think the old YouTube channel is better without our content.
7: <laughs> <laughs> this is very don't, strange. Don't. But don't, don't worry we took all the, we took all the tech old technical issues and we moved them to the new channel.
0: <laughs> listen, this never happens. I swear this never happens. it always works <laughs> <laughs>
5: uh, <laughs>
0: Thank you for being here Nick Maroda we've thank got you, a, We've got a guy who he knows a lot about the cocoa and he likes to share his knowledge with the newsletter and with his blogs and with his people on Discord We're talking about none other than Alan Murphy. Hello Alan, how are you? Howdy, howdy! Doing all right? We got, we got a guy who's a big fan of toggle switches. Uh, he's got a website called CocoMan.biz. His name is Jason, the Coco Man Riker. Welcome to the program, Jason.
7: Well, hello, Stevie. I'm I'm all ready to go. I've got my magnifier. I've got my Diet Dr Pepper, and I am set to go.
0: Well, David Ladd's not here, so mm-hmm. let me. In, in David's absence, uh, Jason, are you excited to be here? Oh, I'm so
3: excited, Stevie. <laughs> I've got my high-speed tape drive ready to go.
0: Ooh. <laughs> We've got Rick Eulin in the house. Thanks for being
9: here, Rick. Howdy, folks. Not excited yet, but I'll work my way into All it. All right.
0: We've got a guy who knows a thing or two about hardware, and he likes wires of many colors. It's Paul T. Barton. Hello, <laughs> Paul. Hey, there we are. I like your shirt. I like that 40th anniversary
10: shirt. Yeah. Yep, I posted a picture up on uh, the Facebook
9: group.
0: Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, we've got our resident Apple guy, none other than Mark Overholzer. Hello, Mark. Hello, I might be muted. Okay. Yeah. Your volume's not bad now. Little, little echoey, but the volume is, is good. And, and, and Mark is our primary guy for posting the links in the chat. So when we talk about news and, and you want to get the links to what we're talking about, Mark is our primary. And then we've got a few backups on that, but that's, that's Mark's main job. And we've only had to reprimand him, I think, three times this week. So he's pretty reliable. He's reasonably <laughs> reliable some of the time. Uh, and thank you for what little you do for us, Marco. Uh, then we have, uh, a guy guy who gets things on eBay makes us all jealous, but there's a difference between hoarding and collecting. Collecting is it's all neatly arranged and you know what you have. We're talking about none other than Brian Weasler. Hello, Brian.
11: Hello, Stevie. Hello, Cook Community.
0: Hello, Brian. Thank you for being here. We have a guy who is a big fan of the VCR. Mr. John Lowry is in the house today. Hey, Johnny.
12: <laughs> hey, everybody. How you doing?
0: All right. We've got a guy who's so cool, the future's so bright. He's got to wear shades. He's got a garage. He's in Arizona. He's the neighbor of Paul Barton. It's Rondello! How are you doing, Ronnie? We've got our resident Apple guy, and we've also got our resident Atari guy. He's Sloopy Malibu. Hello, Sloopy.
13: Greetings and sanitations.
0: And sanitations right back to you. We've got a guy who takes live streaming to literal levels. He's been stuck in an (laughs) elevator. He's none other than Grant Leedy. Welcome, Grant.
6: Hey, how's it
11: going, guys?
0: Not bad, not Thankfully, bad. Not he's bad. not
11: done both of those at the same time. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> We've got a guy who's got more Ferraris than you can shake his stick at. Mr. Trillionaire himself, the Coco, um, Coco guy, the, the guy who makes all the games and makes all the money from down under, Nicholas Morentes. Good eye, Nick. Good eye, Coco World. Good idea. Good eye, good eye. He's the
6: Cocoa World's Elon Musk.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. He Elon Musk. Absolutely. And the guy who literally made my head explode, but he is really good at optimizing all kinds of stuff, and he's a—I hear he's a really good dancer too. Mr. James Diffendaffer's in the house. Hello, James.
12: Hello, everybody. Just when you thought 2021 wasn't going to be any worse
7: than
3: 2020. <laughs> ah. That was just a warm-up. 2021
7: oh. <laughs> said, hold my beer.
0: <laughs> and we are a live and interactive show, and in the live chat, we've got Mikey. He likes it. He likes it. He's watching it. Uh, we've got Sloopy Malibu. We've got Dave and Sharon. Mr. Dave is out there. T. J. B. Chris is out there. Nick Marota, Kevin Holloway. Curtis Boyle. Canadian retro things. Bal, Bal Yale? Hello, Bal Yale and Coco Man and John Lowry, David Kraker and Curtis Boyle and Sloopy and VoIP EQ and, or, Vo- what the hell does that
7: say? Voppy.
0: Vop- <laughs> I don't know what that says, but you're saying you're right. Vopi
7: X. Is that like a voppy dry? Is that,
0: like that Vopake? Ah. Ah. Are you like kind of like opaque? It's Vopake. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but welcome to ya Dave and Sharon Bally. Eight bits in the basement. Jim Rye is out there. And who else? Bally and Bally and Nimble and Dave and Sharon, Mark Bosley, David Craker. Hello, everybody. Amigos Retro Gaming has joined us. Hello, Aaron and John and Boat and Brett and, and everyone else. Hey, guys. So we're here. We've got a show for you in store today, folks. Um... So just to mention again, if you're here watching already, you know what's happening, but we are switching channels. So we will no longer be streaming on the OG Stevie Stro channel. We're streaming on a new dedicated Twitch channel and a new, uh, not necessarily new, but we're going back to the I'm a Coconut YouTube channel for live streams and replays. Uh, We're also on Facebook Live, and we're available as an audio and video podcast. We're also available to have David Ladd come to your house and give you a hug, if you so desire. So um, we will get later into the program. We'll get into project updates and acquisitions. We'll talk about news. But first, everyone's favorite segment is a new Cocoa Thoughts from Samuel Gimes, which is a segue into Nick Morota's favorite part of the show, which is the High Score Challenge Game on Results segment. You know what? I'm having a serious problem with my stream deck right now. Let me try to exit. Oh, you know what? It's not working. That's probably why my soundboard wasn't working either. Let me see if I can get stream deck. Back up Well, the here.
7: first step admitting is that you have a problem. That's yeah. the first
2: step.
0: That is the first step. So let's try this real oh. quick, Ian. Let's just just for a sound check here. All right. The reason why the button wasn't working is the software wasn't running. All right. So the lights were on, but nobody was home. So we're going to move on into the Game On segment of the show where we talk about what game we played last week, what the results were for those who played, and we will start off with a brand new Coco Thoughts by the Deep Thinker himself, Mr. Samuel Gimes. Enjoy everybody. And now Cocoa Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. No worry about copyright strikes here.
2: I saw him squatting there by my outdoor privy. (laughs) I knew he didn't drink just too much iced tea. his earth was growing strong things could go really wrong and I could tell it wouldn't be long till he took my prize tissue and I could tell it wouldn't be long it would be worse than a coup singing I need my TV so put another roll in the outhouse baby I need my
5: TV, TV. I I
2: Oh god. (laughs) He grimaced so I lined up and prepared my aim. (laughs) It don't matter, teepee thieves are all the same. I shot him in the dome and his life was blown. And next I was moving on to get a new sheep thief. I know what's going on, Mr. Whipple loves me. I need my TP. Another roll in the outhouse, baby. I need my TP. Don't so come and take
12: it now, or I'll shoot thee. Ooh. Somebody uh, buy that man an auto. <laughs> oh
6: my God!
0: I don't know Samuel Gimes. Know. Just when you think Samuel my Gimes for
6: the uh, Coco Talk Oscar of the year, I have to oh. my
0: God,
7: is, is, is it me or was that <laughs> it? Was that Coco Talk's just a little? Crappy.
0: Uh, let's go to our resident music critic Rondel what would you think of that song there <laughs> oh my god that is awesome Samuel Guy. it was Gaines. childish was childish
8: yes it was ch- yes, accomplished <laughs> childish uh, uh,
0: you any gasoline
7: you'd like to throw in any fires while we're at it
0: when do when do you get a Mr. Whipple when can you squeeze in a Mr. Whipple reference in the 21st who?
8: century so, the some people love Mr. That- Whipple. Oh my God! Give that man a
12: dumpster and matches.
8: <laughs> 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 the kids are always talking about Mr. Whipple these days. So oh, it's, so it's relevant, timely, beautiful.
0: I need a deep breath. Oh my God, that was
8: that was awesome.
0: I literally. You never <laughs> know exactly oh,
6: you that is though. the best game documentary right. I've ever seen.
0: Am um, so all right, Stevie, I, Breathe. I, I literally have tears in the corners of my eyes, and they're tears of, of happiness, of all it's it's, it's joy. <laughs> never uh, know
8: which way he's going to go. Uh, you never I have to know. happiness basically the same, chat room room pain pain, the
0: same
5: sure, way too. So.
0: in in the in the chat room, yes. So we have uh, amigos uh, says now that now okay. So bally 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 valley bally alley says now that is a song and amigo says that was gold and sloopy says it's a double platinum and we have amazing from digital bites david craker says another classic and that was a thing so um yes great job that's samuel guys well,
7: so that was definitely a thing Daniel, that was definitely two ply deluxe two ply deluxe happened.
0: that is all right so that is just a segue that's the that's the appetizer but how do we follow that? We're going to follow that right now with the game on results with everyone's favorite segment host, Mr. Nick Marota.
8: All right, welcome to another week of results. This week we played Outhouse with 24 scores submitted Adam Tandy Dragon Guy, 470. R. Allen Murphy, 550. Woohoo! Boat Goat of Car, 2,170. Joshua Craker, 3,364, Marcy, 4,090, Cat Lord, 4,200, Sloopy Malibu, 4,416, Coco Man, 4,484, David Ladd, 5,030, Mr. Dave, 5,694, Jim Rice, sixty-four sixty-four, Eight Bits in the Basement, 8,154, Nathan, 10,108. Louie, 10,732. Tom C, 10,776. Canadian Retro Things, 15,998. Me, 17,621. Frodo NL, 22,054. Flutterball, 23,534. AC's 8 zone, 26,127. Buck Owens, 37,378. Tasman 38,174. L. Curtis Boyle, 46,277. And the number one score this week belongs to David Craker with 51,910. Excellent score. Thank you to all of this week's participants.
0: Ooh, David Craker.
6: David coming at Craig. you,
0: coming in at number one on the top ten countdown. Oh! He also man. mentions
6: that even his wife was laughing during the Samuel guy.
0: <laughs>
6: that Come is. his wife uh, watches this show.
0: Hey Stevie, can I share? Uh, wait, a second, real quick. Before we do that, since David Craker mentioned that his wife laughed, let's uh, want to say this:
2: with rising entertainment costs, that's a real bargain.
0: All right, go ahead, Nick Morota, take it away.
8: <laughs> Thank you. All right, so you should see my screen.
13: Yes,
0: we do.
8: All right, so uh, we actually had a couple of late submissions, one because he was too proud to submit his score until it was a certain level. I'm not sure what that was, and one just because. So I will post this updated version. We actually had Brian Weasler join us, and we had uh, Aaron from Eagles Retro Games join us. Excellent. so uh that so this will be the list that goes up on the uh, website. The cutoff is really for me to make the video, but if any scores come straggling in, I will try and add them to the uh to the to the list and one thing I really liked this week, I don't know if you guys noticed, but we had uh we had a number of family members join us this week. We had three sons that's awesome uh Joshua Quaker, Nathan, and uh Louie. And we also had Marcy, who is AC's wife, join us. So this was a big week for uh, family participation, which we really enjoy when uh, families uh, get together and enjoy the game. So thank you very much for all the family members who joined us this week.
0: Before you go on, Nick, maybe we should mention to maybe people who are new to seeing this that we you know we are going to, like for today, we're going to announce next week's game and then people have all week to play their game and submit their scores in our Discord channel, when is your preferred cutoff for the submission so you can record your results video? That is well f- Friday night?
8: Make the vid- To make it into the video, Friday night at 9 o'clock. And if you want to Eastern. submit score Eastern, yes, 9 p.m. Eastern. And okay. then any scores after that, like I said, uh, that's come in, I will try and I will add to the uh, the list, but you, won't, you, just, you just won't make the video. But uh, so nine o'clock Eastern to make it into, the, into the results.
0: Yeah, because we've got to we've got to really whip up some Hollywood magic to get that video oh. going, and so there is there's time and money and expenses and there's
8: catering.
0: Yeah, you I mean, know
6: this, the special effects budget. Pre- is yes, just
7: insane.
6: so <laughs> we, we have to send that
7: off to Industrial Light and Magic. That's it. Yes, the team Absolutely. at ILM.
0: Okay, ILM did not so endorse that uh, statement by any means. So, uh, <laughs>
8: <laughs> cool. So here's well, scores think- from back in the day from rainbow magazine uh, I'll leave, i will i uh, will i will report the news and not not objectify so you can decide for yourselves whether you think that's a reasonable score or okay. not okay Ro-
0: Rosalie suk C- 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 congratulations C- Rosalie
8: de staten
6: island
0: mm. staten.
8: Uh, staten i i think these are I,
6: legit i have seen people in our cocoa club that used to regularly score in the six digits
8: i believe it could be done i i, 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 I do I, I don't think these are too outrageous so here's a, here's a part of an ad, which also includes a quote from Hot Coco saying, I was totally taken by its originality, its outstanding graphics, its delightful sound effects, and most of all by its brilliant playability. You control a, part, a spaceship that guards the outhouse, uh, blah, blah, blah. Bottom line, it really is one of the very best I've seen. So this, so got a glowing review from Hot Coco, and they quoted that in their ad.
6: Yeah, and Marty Goodman in particular, who's not normally known as being a game player. So that's, that's pretty high praise.
0: Yeah. Um, Bally, Bally Alley is asking, uh, how did how were these scores um, quanti- quantified? Were photos sent in or were they just right yes. in?
8: Screen, you could take a photo of your screen no, if you I'm you're talking about in back,
0: a- back in the day for the rainbow.
8: Oh, you just uh, – No, it was more the trust
6: system back in
8: the it day. Was,
0: it, was, it was on the Honor system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you had any honor and you told the truth. Okay.
6: I know from the ones I submitted I just, you know, sent them a letter, so, so
0: because that's, that's because what would you have had to have done? You would either have to, had to take a Polaroid yeah. or take a picture on film and have it developed to mail in the photo. So that would have been a little bit of a process. So I guess you just wrote in and said, Hey, my name is Bob and my score is six trillion and I did it, honest, right? So <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, that's what I did that one time. <laughs> <laughs> jim rice says anyone who scored 500 cans game is likely a tp hoarder in
8: 2020 <laughs> exactly it gave them valuable life skills that
0: was part of their training yes yes so yes. here
8: is the review from rainbow okay and uh it got favorable reviews it's a winner four stars okay pure genius in presentation uh i didn't like the darn pack the darn I didn't read this before. The only complaint I had was the darn package didn't have a hole in it, so I could put it on the pegboard hook. Wow, really? It's probably
0: worth noting, too, that this game uh, was originally uh, on the TRS-80 computer, the black and white one. So now we call that the Model 1 or Model 3 or Model 4. But the original monochromatic TRS-80 computer was the first version of this game based on everyone's favorite processor, the Z80. And so is this the Cornsoft group that did this, Curtis?
6: No, Computer Shack. Computer Shack. Yeah,
0: okay. So they ported their TRS-80 version to the Coco, obviously adding more color and sound and more animation and whatnot. But yeah, uh, similar to like Sea Dragon, which was first on the TRS-80. Um, this is. A, yeah, and
6: that was ported to multiple platforms: the Atari 400, 800, and yeah, the yeah, Coco. Yeah.
0: But other than the TRS-80 monochrome line and the color computer, did um, does anybody know, did Outhouse make it to any other platform? Made not it that i made it to Windows well that's where now it made is because of Erica yeah, the, the modern oh, yeah. back in the day that reminds
8: me that's a good thank you for that Alan because the, four, the top four winners uh-huh. uh, will be notified by Erico. you've received a, a key for the Windows version of Outhouse that's right so Erico or I probably Erico, but it could be me will be contacting you through Discord to give you keys uh, for the uh, for the Windows version of Outhouse that Erico wrote a few months ago so I will mention too in don't the don't chat, understand.
6: it's either, I'm not sure if it's John or if it's uh, Aaron, but they said uh, the Tier 80 version one they think is even better than the.
8: Really?
0: Okay.
6: Yeah, which is
5: interesting.
6: And then
0: uh, v- Vopi EQ says, when I listed in Rainbow for Tetris, it was based solely on a letter, but it was a legit score. Tell us how to pronounce your name, because I don't want to butcher it. Um, I, I can only guess on how to pronounce your name. Yes. Uh,
7: Just tell him like it's spelled. Yeah. <laughs> I like VAPI, like it's a VAPI drive. Yes. Get to the so, chopper.
8: Again, this week, thank you, Canadian Retro Things, for your gameplay uh, video. Uh, if you guys haven't checked out his channel on YouTube, Canadian, Canadian Retro Things, I suggest you do. He has a lot of uh, Cocoa content besides gameplay, and he, he does some interesting experiments, and he has other retro <clears> things <throat> as well. So thank you, Canadian Retro Things, for uh, providing gameplay videos for us. What once. country
0: is he based out of?
8: Canadian retro things? Albania.
7: Albania, okay.
8: <laughs> yes.
7: I right. went to high school with an Albania. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
8: So um Yeah, this was I this was a i I really liked this game. It was a lot of fun to pick up and play. Uh I'd be interested to hear any strategies you guys uh came up with to uh get the highest score i'll tell you one i did was i'd hang out when the zappers started coming down i'd hang out in the left top corner and zap the zappers right away to get rid of them quickly um and then i'd also reach back and, and zap the crushers that come came down from here you'll see those a little bit later um yeah so those are basically the what i try to do what i did and I discovered, I didn't know that there were smart bombs until I watched the video on the Canadian. Mm. But I did not read the manual. Uh, some people did, such as uh, David Ladd wants to remind me. That he knew that there, was out, that there were smart bombs. Yeah, well, actually. We yeah, have smart bombs with, or, or <laughs> set off by the number row, uh, any with, number you know, key. Any, uh, yeah. So that was something I didn't know until later on in the week. Because when
6: you're in a panic, you don't want to like take time to try to hunt down the right key. You just want to slam the keyboard on the top row and hit anything.
1: Right.
0: The smart What's...
8: bomb would eradicate everything on the screen and give you the points for them. No, neat, neat.
0: What was the mechanic, though? Did you have to hold down the button and then move the joystick in the direction you wanted to fire, or yes. did it just fire in the direction you were facing when you pressed it?
8: You had to be moving when you fired. That was one of little things. So not to be not
6: point... quite. You you can actually hold down the fire button and rapid fire and just aim the joystick to where you fired. So you fire, could fire, kind, fire, fire of like, oh. kind of like spiral my, my around. My technique is... I, I I, I go straight above the outhouse, I go down a little bit, and then I just start you know, angling lower left, lower right, and I just keep swapping back and forth to shoot all the the guys coming up to the, the outhouse, mm-hmm. and then occasionally fire to the side to take care of the bomb stuff, and for the first four or five waves, you don't even have to move, you can take care of the whole thing just doing that.
8: Oh, so you can sit still and fire? Yes. Oh, I didn't Let's know that. hold the button down, right? Oh, yeah. that that changes. Things. And if you
6: put yourself centered above or f- a little bit lower than where you start, you can actually just angle your shots lower left, lower right, and just alternate shooting all of the guys trying to steal the toilet paper without even have to chase them down. And then you have a lot more oh, time to react to other I things. I knew
8: that. Okay, next week's game is outhouse. Right? No. <laughs> <laughs>
6: just I kidding. like how we get all these game
7: tips after the the challenge is over. <laughs> well, like, well uh, here's I mean, what you should have done.
5: Right? You can
8: continue to play the games even after right. the challenge. Let, let me tell you why you the you're wrong. Is <laughs> the games that you may uh say hey i really like that yeah that's <laughs> right because honestly i
6: don't move in the game until almost when the crushers start coming down to be honest I, I usually just go down a little bit and then just start firing the diagonals occasionally you have to move around if, if something you, you miss something and it's coming at you at a weird angle the two ships on the side too they lock onto you so they'll keep following you if you're moving but if they lock on you you'll get a bit of a warning before they fire they turn a solid color inside yeah it's red um so you can kind of use that once they lock on you can move out of their way and then their shot will just miss you so if you're getting you know a lot of things coming at you at once and you just can't keep track of everything just you know keep firing hold your spot once they start locking onto you before they turn red then you move and then you have some time to buy and of course if you get really stuck obviously hit your smart bomb which uh, a lot of people miss that that opportunity
8: yes I don't know if there's any if if any comments in the uh, chat room. And
6: well, I have. Yeah, to David say Craker said Marco, he did the same as me, which I'm assuming he's talking about the just sit in one spot and just change your angling firing.
14: <laughs> is pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, but I was very surprised in the original the first time one of the fireballs hits the outhouse. I wasn't used to that from the Windows version. Oh, oh. where
6: it completely destroys it in
8: one fell swoop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the Windows version, can't you shoot your own outhouse? Yes. But you can't do that here. Well, you can't. I mean, nothing happens if you do, which is, thank goodness. So David
6: Craker said he did the same strategy as me, eight bits of the basement. Uh, His son, Louis said, look, Dad, this is why you're crap. And then he did what I did, too.
8: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) nice. Nice use the word crap, too, if you didn't actually say that.
0: How did the he, how did how did he get more toilet paper in his outhouse? Is that when you clear a wave you get bonus you TP? Certain, no, at
8: certain no, points, score. certain
0: okay.
6: scores you get
0: uh, you get bonus paper, bonus but rolls you, as they're called. Yeah. But
8: you can only have 250 max.
0: Okay, yeah.
8: so you'll get bonus up to 250. Right. So the
0: so. number underneath the outhouse is the number of sheets you have on your roll, and you're obviously Correct. trying to prevent those from being taken away by these two um, TP hoarders.
8: And it looks like the squatter will use between three and six sheets, I believe. Yeah, don't I call me.
6: them COVID overreactors. I
8: don't call them hoarders, but, uh. <laughs> uh, well, the one guy pulling it out is just being wasteful. Like, yeah, you know what to do? Yeah. <laughs> and I have to laugh. One person thought the goal of the game originally was to protect the people so that they could use your outhouse. I thought, <laughs> I
5: thought <laughs> you know what?
8: In this cruel world, that's a really, really nice way to look at it. <laughs> Right. Oh, that's I'm sorry, I had to laugh at that. That was funny.
6: Yeah, I saw that too. That was funny.
5: (laughs) You're
0: yeah, so you're basically an interplanetary outhouse defender here. You've decided to come to the planet Earth and just protect this one outhouse's toilet paper.
6: Um you know, I'm assuming this alien race is so advanced that excrement actually becomes a fuel for their spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> They're the ultimate in recyclers. That's
7: right? what I'm
8: figuring. Well, kids love space, so you yeah. gotta get the space angle in there. And that's it. That.
6: Well,
7: when you do find yourself in this, you know, situation, you know, you, you know, you know, you're in a definitely odd situation playing this game.
0: Did you say urine?
8: Ah, i see what you did there (laughs) this game was way the
1: heck ahead of its time i
0: know it's very a lot of foreshadowing going on here right it's a really fun game though absolutely
6: that is i'm trying to remember uh, where it was too there's a good interview with the author of it too kind of explaining how it came up because it's one of the very few video games he did he wasn't really a video game programmer at the time
8: why well, are you talking about this version or the the Model 1? Well, both, because
6: he did, he did both. He, oh, he did he, both? Uh, okay. He did help program the, uh, the Cocoa one as well. But right. just coming up with the concept, there's an interview that he did, and I can't remember if it was 80 micro or what it was. I wish I could get a chance to find it before the show. But yeah. If you can find it on the web, and if you do search for it, you probably can. It's actually a pretty interesting interview.
0: Very cool. Good times, good times. But yeah,
8: the blue, the two at the top is the number of smart bombs you have left. So I don't I don't know if, what I if I saw that number before I knew there were smart bombs or I, obviously I didn't.
7: I thought that was just a, some
6: type of cattle or something that was going to come around. Yeah,
8: the, <laughs> the cows that come. You
5: know. and, <laughs> that was how many and steers at scores, I had.
6: At, at certain scores, you get bonus men and you get a bonus smart bomb at the same time too, so you can actually build those up as well as your toilet paper bonus rolls.
8: Yeah.
0: And David Kraker says, shoot the stuff in the sky first. Of course, blast the people in between. But you can lose a bit of TP without instantly losing the game. Yeah. And then you Ken Reichert's lose. asking the same question a lot of us did is, there are smart bombs? <laughs> <laughs>
8: <laughs> smart bombs, but not smart players. Yeah.
7: Mm. Mm. That's, that's, that's why you have to read the instructions, which I didn't.
8: Yeah.
6: Or I,
7: the, I figured or that or watch... out
6: even back in the day, though, so I'm
7: kind of yeah. I, I figure I'll just wait till now, and Curtis can tell me what I did wrong. And,
0: and for those of <laughs> us who are watching us now, because we we're on we some channels that are new to most of you, please make sure you're subscribing and following and clicking the notification options on the uh, YouTube and Twitch channels. So um, this show has its regular schedule of Saturdays at 2 p.m., but we also do a lot of spontaneous stuff, um, you know, uh, gameplays and live streams and interviews and other things like that too so uh, to get notified make sure you hit that like subscribe and notify button don't
7: forget
0: like
8: to the like the, and subscribe
0: that's right whatever it's called yes
8: the crushers uh, Buck is affectionately referred to as the birthday cake <laughs> the birthday cake <laughs> <laughs> so I,
14: I really like the P mode switches whenever it tries to do effects or the smart bombs and stuff
0: right. it was kind
14: of neat to see that you know they were trying to use as much of the cocoa as possible. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, that was a common thing, is that the only way to make them, you know, make a visual change on the screen was to do something like that, you know. Mm. Um, but it's cool. And in this case here, I think they switched to the one that had the white border, too. So um, it didn't wasn't like going from like black and white to a green screen or something, you know. So it did, did look like a little quick palette hack going on there.
8: See, he does it the way I did. He did this little figure eights, because I didn't know he could stop and shoot. Ah. So I would do these figure eights and shoot left, right, left, right, yeah. left, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
6: Occasionally, if you miss one, you do have to do this. But yeah, it's it's much easier just to hold down the fire button and just keep firing lower left, lower right, lower left, lower right.
8: I don't know if I don't mention this during the introduction of the game last week, but analog joystick is definitely your friend in this uh, game. Ah, yeah.
0: Okay, is that, what's that thing on line. the top there? Is that what he's calling the birthday cake? The birthday it's got the cake, layers? yeah.
8: The three layers, uh, yeah. Oh, I see. Really, they're called crushers, I believe. Okay. Well, birthday so it's and- a wedding
6: cake, basically. It's coming to crush your dreams. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, That's right.
8: right. <laughs> now, is it just
0: me? As you're looking at the guys walking, do they look like they're wearing like karate geese, like they're martial artists?
6: <laughs> I,
7: I think know. they're fans oh, of Rush oh. during the kimono period. Yeah, oh. right, so. Well, right off screen is where the dojo is, right? Yeah, now. right.
0: So.
8: <laughs> so can those zappers shoot the house if they get too low? I don't know.
7: Oh, I, I thought they did. I thought I had my... I thought I had my outhouse blown up a couple times by those zappers.
8: I can't remember. And then game's over. I
6: think if you go down low enough, they might, and they shoot at it, and they might yeah, but the
7: whole yeah. thing crumble and blow up, and game over. Doesn't matter how many lives. Ah, I
8: have. James the outhouse Jones is gets blown here. up
7: by the lasers. You're done. Yeah.
8: What happens when the outhouse gets hit? Oh, you lose a. Do you lose your life or is The game over? No, you lose a life, right?
0: If the outhouse gets destroyed.
8: Yeah, you just lose your life. You lose a. You lose a man. I don't think you lose the game.
6: Do you lose the game? I thought you did lose the game.
7: You
8: lose the whole game. I can't remember. I thought, I thought I tried to avoid the outhouse. So
7: as soon as the I've had this happen several times. As soon as the outhouse was destroyed, game was over. Game yeah, over. I yeah, I right. think
8: you're right. Yeah. It didn't
7: matter how many lives I had. I guess mm. if I was out my outhouse, I was up a, up the creek without the proverbial, proverbial paddle. I guess.
8: Yeah. Oh, what happens when the outhouse gets full? Was the question. Oh.
7: Well, that's when the little truck shows up. <laughs>
5: <That's>,
8: uh, <laughs> but, Thanks, David, for that question, David Craker.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a couple people in chat, uh, Aaron and uh, Bally Alley, both mentioning that at times it reminds them of the landing levels of cosmic arc. Even mm. the zappers on the sides of the screen are sort of the same.
0: And uh, Ken at Canadian Retro Things is also saying you cannot crash into your outhouse because that would cause you to lose a life, right? So that's yes. uh, that's an obstacle you have to avoid.
8: Oh interesting I've never yeah
6: and I'm with David Craker in this one the deluxe joystick was essential for me cuz the short stick for quick repeated direction changes and the self-centering that is a like, come in handy for me too as well
0: mm. fun game fun game yeah pretty pretty original when you think about it it's i mean the game itself when you think about the concept the game itself is a little bit uh, uh, you Ridiculous? know juvenile <laughs> the whole the whole the whole concept of Defending toilet paper. So. Perfect
8: for this audience. Yeah. Somebody's spouse laughed right at him. him. <laughs> somebody's spouse laughed at him when he told him the premise of the game. I can't, I, I can't remember who that was. Might have been Sloopy, maybe? I can't remember. Anyway, but somebody's spouse laughed or girlfriend laughed oh, at him yeah. when, uh, when he explained what game we were playing. So we so uh, may be mocked, but we'll never stop.
0: Yeah, David so cracker no, saying a, if you lose the outhouse, the game is over. There's only one outhouse. Okay. So. Okay.
7: Yeah. It's the whole, the whole game. It's just crap.
0: Yeah. Good times, though. That's maybe great. This is
7: what, well, is it, maybe
0: the, yeah.
6: I like the animation maybe difference this. between squatters and the toilet paper hoarders, because they actually, the one guy really has to go, and you can kind of see him hopping to get there fast, and the other maybe guy gets like the toilet his paper stuck together. in his shoe, and... Yeah. yeah.
0: I think Sloopy yeah. was trying to say something.
13: Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> maybe this is why we have indoor plumbing now, so if people don't attack our outhouses.
3: <laughs> 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 uh, yeah
8: yeah i don't know what world it is where toilet paper is in sh- such short supply but
3: in a world where
6: toilet paper is in short supply and aliens are floating above your outhouse
5: <laughs> well
6: and nick moroto might have but... been it might have been ken uh, from canadian retro things that mentioned that comment about the family because he said my, my entire family laughed oh. at me when i told them
5: oh. in
8: this video he said that didn't uh, he uh, okay, my, my yeah okay yeah i think you're right <laughs>
14: I'm just wondering if the aliens are actually trying to defend the outhouse because they now have COVID on their world and they're trying to avoid the same shortages we had here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Could be.
8: All right, so are we ready to talk about next week's game?
0: Yeah, yeah. Just so just real quick, too, because I think we do have a few new viewers today. So I just want to remind uh, or inform some of you who have maybe not seen this segment or the show before. So the Game On Challenge is uh, something where we get together and we pick Or Nick Morota picks a new game each week. And then those who want to play along, they'll play that game and you can play it on a real Coco. You can play it on an emulator. And then what we're asking people to do is to take a screenshot or take a picture with your phone and post that in our Discord server. And there's a link to that in this video, too. and um, Game on just Challenge the channel. The Game on Challenge channel. And just <coughs> show, show us that you're playing. The main, uh, the main focus of this is to get people using their cocoa and just having fun there is you know we will uh, recognize the best scores but even if you're not a good gamer just play to have fun and as we're seeing here we just got we got family playing and all kinds of stuff like that so this is a segment that's going on a year now yep, suggested by Mr. Air. Dave Mr. Dave 6309 yep. suggested this and thanks this, Mr. Dave and uh, it's been you know it's been a lot of fun uh, just playing games that you might not have played before and then getting a lot of people playing together and kind of sharing the experience so it's a great. I
8: also do. I also do take suggestions. In fact, our game next week is a requested game, and uh, I also keep a list of all the games we've already played. I keep that current in the Discord channel. It's pinned as a pinned post, so ah. we don't want to we don't want to revisit games quite yet. So, uh, but if you have a suggestion for a game, send me a direct message in Discord, and I will uh, add that to the list. And and uh, and I love to take suggestions because that way I know i pl- We're picking games that. Uh, the people want to play. No, so,
6: okay. Well, Plus it gets you a chance to try some games even you haven't tried. Exactly. Nick, like, there's been some new ones for you. Exactly. There's even one or two that I haven't played before. So. Next week
8: is actually one that I haven't played. Uh, but it was a, re- a request. I checked it out and it looked pretty cool. So it's gonna, we're going to do that one next week.
0: All right. And speaking and of next week.
8: So let's talk all... about that game. So uh, <laughs> let me just pause this. So I picked a pretty obscure screenshot. Whoops. I did it again. I picked a pretty obscure screenshot. Uh, so if you guys can uh tell me what you think this is. <laughs> any, oh, any This is Cron. Oh my gosh, you guys are good. I didn't expect you to, to get it. Yes. This, this
0: is the light cycle arena from Kron.
8: It is. And then I went to the there's more the, obvious ones. There's very the tank, good. Tank maze. This game was requested by 8 Bits in the Basement. Thank you very okay. much for your request. So, yes, this is obviously a Tron clone. Um, yeah, one of two oh, we One of two Tron clones. I played the other one called Electron. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the other one. I played another one called Electron as a kid, but I never played Kron. So there are things that I prefer about this one over the other one in terms of looks. Um, and vice versa. It'll be kind of like the you know like the launch buzzer bait thing. Let me
0: more- uh, let me touch on something real quick too, because one of the things that we are trying not to do, at least in our Discord servers, we're not trying to promote where to get the software. So uh, most of the software has been legitimately um, made to the public, and we'll 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 specify that. Some of the software falls into that kind of gray area. And we're not going to say, hey, this is the link where you go get the software, because we're not going to directly promote piracy. But obviously you're going to need to get the software from somewhere to play it. Uh, but we're not trying to play a guilty party and, and directing people to those sources. Um, that being said, I do have a copy of both versions of this game, and both of them have some weird features to them where they're not working right with controllers. So I've got versions of Cron and Electron, and both of them have some really screwed-up joystick lack oh. of lack of recognitions. So We need an
8: analog stick for this.
0: Yes, that much I realize. So... Off the air and off of Discord, I'll be talking to a few people, asking them <laughs> um, where I might be able to obtain said copies of said software
3: oh, <laughs> that, that actually worked. I tried it because it
0: okay, so. the ones I have are not uh, do not respond well or at all to Joy Six. So. Okay. Um, so, uh, that's all I'm gonna say about that. But one of my favorite games in the arcade was Bally's Tron based on the movie. And, and, and of course, very popular and very fun to play on the Coco. These were both great ports. Um, Tron is a video game based on the movie and was basically a series of mini games, right? Four different mini games. So you had the uh, the tank maze. You had the light cycle, which was basically a snake type game. You had to shoot the grid bugs. And then you had the MCP cone, which was just a scrolling version of breakout that you had to make your way to the top. So a handful of mini games. Um, but the music was awesome in the arcade. The neon lights, you know, the purple lights, the whole thing, it had like a pistol grip, you know, airplane-style yes. joystick. This, this whole... I had a spinner. Yeah, and the spinner wheel. So it was actually, you had the stick, and then you had the spinner. So in the arcade, you had to, like, move his hand to aim it at where you were shooting, and you had to aim the tank and aim the arm for shooting at the bugs. Really cool game tied into a really cool movie that combined my two favorite things in the world, computer programming and video games, and... One of the first movies to feature a feature-length film that featured a lot of computer-generated imagery, right? Nowadays, every movie's got CGI, but this one had a lot of CGI, and the theme was, you know, the the world inside the computer. So whenever we went into the computer, we were looking at literal computer-generated graphics and stuff. So it was a really cool way they they melded the technology and the live action and everything. Um, Cool, cool stuff.
8: And then there was a sequel called Discs of Tron, which was pretty cool as well.
0: Yeah, and from what I understand, that was one they wanted to squeeze in, but they just didn't have time. Um, interesting slice of trivia too, is that because this game was being developed while the book was still being worked on and the movie was still being worked on. So the fact that the grid bugs are in the game, they became a real quick anecdote in the movie. It was like, oh, hey, by the way, look down there. There's grid bugs, you know? Oh, okay.
12: Who cares? Right. (laughs) There was a a whole section of the movie that was cut out. So so
0: the grid bugs bugs might've played a bigger part in the, Mm -hmm. um, in the story, but they didn't. But they're one of the four game, one, four mini games in here. Uh, but okay. I,
8: it's a cool game. Yeah, I'm a huge yeah. Tron
0: nerd. I love this game. Um, so, so I don't nerd. know if this will show
8: up
6: if you put it on uh, the camera on me here.
8: Oh, I'll stop sharing. Anyway, thanks a lot, guys.
0: Okay, what are we looking at there, El Curtis? Well, let me, let me, uh, let me maximize your video.
6: So I don't know if you can quite read that, but it says Flynn's Arcade on. Oh, okay. Wow, uh-huh, that's cool. an actual token from the Disneyland Tron.
8: Ah. You
0: know, in California. So um, I'll show you something in a second, but um, one, one of the dreams come true for me was when I spent about three years working for a company called Digital Domain when they opened up a studio in, in uh, Florida. Where, where I live. And so Digital Domain worked on the sequel to Tron, which was called Tron Legacy. And that was already kind of done before we moved to Florida. But I ended up getting to meet a lot of the people that worked on the visual effects, the uh, the producers and a lot of the technical directors and artists and stuff. And so I got to kind of like shake the hands of the guys who did the work. And um, and I actually, when my dad came to visit one time, I had a blu-ray copy of the movie and i got everybody to sign it like in a silver sharpie so it's like these are like you know when you're working with somebody you don't want to be like hey dude can i have your autograph because like dude you're you're my coworker, right but it's like really cool when you say hey my dad can i get this for my dad you know i kind of wish i got one for me too but i was too <laughs> proud to do that but i got my dad an autographed um copy of of tron legacy um that was all done out of vancouver before we set up the shop in um in florida but a lot of people from la and vancouver and have come into our studio there so it was kind of cool to know some of the guys who worked on the new one um and then speaking of show and tell i'll I'll show you real quick um i've got some of my original tron action figures that happen to be right here so i can grab them real quick so So I'll spotlight myself here for just a second. And I know this is not updates and acquisitions, but these things have been sitting on shelves forever. But these are the, I think it was Tomy Toys who made these, and they're probably not in focus right now because of my camera. But they're kind of like clear plastic, and they had uh, like this weird paint on them, and they had the little glow-in-the-dark Frisbees. And so I think they made like four different figures and a couple of different color light cycles. And so these are like actual things I had from back in the day. That I've just managed to hold on to. There's not too many things I still have from back in the day, but this happens to be one of them. I wish I had kept all my original Kenner Star Wars figures I had as a kid because those things would be worth a freaking boatload right now, but I got a couple of those. I think they've actually been reproduced in recent years, too. Um, There's been reproduction versions of the Tomy toys. Uh, What do you got there? You got a Lego. Jason's got I have a Lego. something
7: from back in the day. I have this red Lego brick.
0: <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> man, am I jealous.
6: So. Memory. I'll tell you what. The memories.
0: Oh, yeah.
6: Memories of using them or memories of stepping on <laughs> them? <laughs> uh,
0: so we probably went a little off, way maybe a lot off, but it's all Tron related, and this it's a nice geeky opportunity here. Um, so do you need to share again,
7: Nick Marota?
8: No, I think uh, I'm I'm done. Thank you so, guys for another great week.
7: What do you mean? No, 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 no.
8: And thank you, Stevie. And thank you. <laughs> All right. So
0: we'll continue the Game On segment with some Game On news with everyone's favorite foreign correspondent, L. Curtis Boyle. What do we have this I'm, week? In... I'm, a, I'm a foreign correspondent. <laughs> yes. <you're...
7: laughs> Is that like foreign material?
0: Yes. I have the original album, too, the soundtrack of Tron, too, on vinyl. That was Wendy Williams, wasn't it? Uh, uh, not Wendy Williams, but... uh, yes. W- w- uh, or uh Carlos. W- yes, Walter Carlos right. that Sorry. became Wendy Carlos. Yes, Wendy Williams is a talk show host. But right. close. you have at least yeah.
6: nine pieces of vinyl?
0: I have at least nine pieces of vinyl, Yes.
6: Um, it's, a, it's a good game. I, Kron, Kron is actually out of the two. Can somebody reach out? Can somebody oh, reach good. out to
0: Ben Drake's? Ben Drake's needs the updated Zoom information. Ben, um, can you yeah. me, can you guys reach Ben on Discord or something? Um, ben Drake's, if you're listening, you're asking if you can join for updates, which will be coming up. Um, post a message in the Coco Talk lobby on Discord, and then somebody kindly find him and message him the updated Zoom information, if you don't mind. We'll do. Thank you. Uh, Okay, sorry about that. What are we looking at here, L. Curtis Boyle?
6: Okay, so Alan Huffman has part four of his exploring the Atari 2600 Adventure game cartridge and the programming inside of it and is using his Cocoa to draw out some of the ROM graphics out of the screen. So in this article, he describes how the graphics were stored and some are scaled, like you notice the bridge on the upper left corner here is much narrower and taller than it appears in the game. So to compress the graphics, (coughs) they did them at single width and then the game itself, while running, would expand it out which is kind of a cool technique. Of course, you had so much you know, limited memory on, on the Atari 2600, both on the ROM and in the actual you know, console itself, as far as RAM goes. So he deploys de- de- them in, in SG4 and P-Mode 1, etc., so he kind of goes through
4: you know, how,
6: how things work. Here's how the data was actually stored. Wow. And you can kind of make up the you know the chalice and the dragon, etc. Yeah. Et or seahorse. pixels wide. Even the, even the bridge and stuff 8 pixels wide.
0: Dragon or seahorse, you pick.
6: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, we we used to call it a duck or something, I duck. a demented duck or something. I a we duck. Quack, quack. What quack. the duck? Beware the ducks. Yeah, it goes like a deep dive. So here he's doing it in semi graphics.
0: That is cool.
6: So he's got the bat and its two different wing displays, and he's got the numbers and the key and the bridge, which of course it gets scaled. But he couldn't create the, the created by Warren Robinette. So he went into a P Mode 1 screen instead so he could fit that particular graphic. Okay. And the way the routine works is if it has a zero byte stored, that signifies like the end of something. Well, the spaces wouldn't work as, as spaces because a zero byte would show up and it would just cut the message off. So we actually had to insert those little weird periods. Oh, which the dots in the actual cartridge. Okay. So it's his way of getting around his own routine, basically, to to do it. So that uh, that actually is a graphic in the game. And then he's got his basic program that actually does the conversion and, and shows how everything's done. So it's a pretty interesting article, both from the point of you know using a Coco to actually render the graphics again based on the original ROM cartridge, but also just a good you know deep, deep dive into the coding of Adventure itself.
0: Absolutely so,
6: in- interesting article. Definitely go check it out.
0: Alan Huffman's at it again.
6: <laughs> yeah, he's been busy. Next, and this is another um, conversion. So Robert Sieg has been doing a ton of MC-10 stuff, especially with the uh, the 128K cartridge and the new SDC uh, MC-10 cartridge as well. So he turns out that Minecraft graphics are stored as 32 by 64 blocks. Now, the Coco and the MC-10's native SG-4 resolution is the same resolution, just flipped, you know, like XY axis flipped. So ours is 64 by 32. So he used his 256-color BMP converter that he's been showing some of the results of for the last month or two, and he converted one of the Minecraft characters and flipped it sideways so it fit proportionally <laughs> right. correctly here on the MC-10. So who knows? Maybe we'll get a port yeah. of Minecraft to the MC-10.
0: This is what would be known as a skin, right? So your character is basically a, a block stick figure, and then you can get different skins to put on them to make them look like things. So this is a Minecraft skin that would go on something. So-
12: um, so apparently MC stands for Minecraft.
0: <laughs> it's the Minecraft 10, right? So, <laughs> uh,
8: so
0: 2D Minecraft. I, be away soon. I don't know yeah. if Robert's watching or listening, but I need to reach out to them because this guy, he's been on before, but he's just doing so much crap. We need to get him on. This guy is a machine, you know what I mean? He's doing all kinds of image converting. He's hes doing like 256 color stuff for the Coco 3 composite stuff. He's doing MC 10 conversions. Yep. He is like freaking the Ed Snyder of the digital world, man. He's just cranking out stuff all over the place he's like another Cylon so um uh, if, even
5: on the
6: MC10 I mean he's definitely yeah. giving Jim a run for his yeah lately,
0: so. yeah yeah so Robert if you're listening we'd, we'd love to get you on and I'll have to reach out to him so, actually Ron Delvaux is our booking agent so maybe we can get Ron to um to work <laughs> and have that. a little lunch date yeah set, set up some lunch with him uh, take him out to Applebee's uh, <laughs> you know where he lives I don't do you? I don't have a clue. Are you asking, or is this a surprise? Well, like, no, you know? I just wondered. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I don't, I don't. Uh, um, but yeah, that would be great. We don't need to get Robert on and just talk about all the stuff he does. I Man, this guy is freaking amazing. So, uh, cool yeah,
6: stuff. I mean, to be honest, I mean, in my case, like I know it, 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 the early years of the show here, we used to you know joke about the MC10 somewhat, you know, because it was you know the Coco's little brother and, and not quite compatible, et cetera. But with some of the hardware additions and some of the software and, and updated BASIC and everything else they've been doing lately, it's a much more interesting machine, I think nowadays than it has been in the past and um even for some of us that were you know kind of come rug- originally come about it in the- originally it's actually pretty fascinating what we're doing with it now and it's much easier to use with all these you know sd card readers and stuff too extended basic with graphics etc so i, I well, it's definitely seeing a resurgence yeah,
10: yeah. faster than a coco too yeah the,
6: actually it's basic is a little bit the basic the is, same yeah. clock speed yeah, yeah. yeah. that is <laughs> true that little test
7: uh, uh pattern color bars thing I did when I ported it to the MC10 it actually did, does run a, a smidge faster
0: And then and then let's not even prize. get don't even get me started on all the optimizations that James Daffer has done to it sure. I mean, we can uh you know we well, can spend hours Well you want to talk hours.
6: about those right now <laughs> <laughs> Yeah but we, we can get got James started on that though if you want but, to
0: But uh, uh, no but James is not saying anything But James has actually tweaked the basic and optimized it to where if you were to use his uh his optimized rom it would be considerably faster some was like 10 times faster in some cases james especially like in the math heavy stuff 10
12: 10 uh 10 to 40 percent, depending on what, whether it's yeah. normal code or math
0: yeah i mean that's 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 utterly impressive so um
12: of course i still haven't released anything okay <laughs> i'm just waiting on the Let's os go creep just waiting <laughs> on the os3
6: release
0: Right, OS three, right? So <laughs> we're
6: almost well, James, there. I, actually, a side question for you: Have you been in contact with the people that have been doing the ep- updated MCX basic stuff to see if they can incorporate some of your changes as well? Because I mean, they're adding extended basic and everything else anyway. So
12: I've could... posted a lot of what I did on my blog, so he
11: he could read it there. It's like
6: well, I'm just wondering if you guys had thought, of, or if you'd thought about collaborating with no, them, and getting some I, of your updates I, into their updated ROMs that are actually putting them out. So.
0: I haven't. Okay, there's your answer, Curtis.
6: Okay. All right. I was just curious. Cool stuff. Hey, next step. And I just got literally an email while the show was on that there's another update to this. I haven't even had a chance to read it, so I'll take a quick look at it here. But basically, Guillaume's uh, actually done an update to... The MNLN, the mainline program for all the Sierra games. Okay. Because one of the problems was if you played it with sound, it would basically lock the Cocoa up until the song's finished. You couldn't do anything. You just had to wait for it to finish. Okay. So he's actually put in a little patch that hotkeys it so if you hit the space bar, you can abort the music. Okay. But that way you can leave the sound effects on. Okay. So, so it's, it's nice because, I mean, the option on the command line is you can have, you have a dash M for multitask, which basically means all sounds disabled. So basically, you've got no sound effects at all. The game becomes a little bit more boring. This way, at least you get the both of Beth worlds, because you can you know, have the sound turned on. There's some shorter sound effects that don't take that much time. But if you do get music, if it's the first time you're playing it, you'll go, oh, I'll listen to this jaunty little tune. And then afterwards, when you get bored with it, you can just hit the space bar to abort it. So I'm just going to quickly check my email here nice. and see what he mentioned his update is.
0: It would be neat, since he has the source code. Obviously, for him to do this, if you could somehow get a hold of him, Carter, speaking of collaborating, and you are the king of optimizations for nitrous nine level stuff already on it okay, uh, sorry about that so um, <laughs> now I, I, this is also screaming for sound chip support because it should already be built into the engine, and there are chips that are you know like the uh, GMC, which is literally the same sound chip that was in the Tandy one thousand. It would be nice as a secondary wish list to have the these games play real background yes. music that you don't have to worry about <clears throat> interrupting.
6: Now one is thing I did? have to find out, I haven't looked at the sound uh, data files to see whether all of the data for the multi-track is in there and we're just playing the, the melody voice or if or if they stripped it for the cocoa version. I don't know yet. <clears throat> he probably knows better than I do because he's obviously been playing around with it more than I have lately. Um in anyway, his future. patch is mentioned as he's managed to get it to avoid unwanted keystrokes. I did notice that, because sometimes if you held down the space bar a bit too long, you'd get key repeat firing off, and then you'd get a bunch of things happening in the game you didn't want to do. And he's replaced the spacebar with the break key on his newest patch.
0: Mm, okay.
6: Which is probably a bit better, because the space is used more often in the gameplay, because you have to actually type commands in. So I will mention, too, this patch will be on the upcoming Ease of Use Beta oh, 6, which will briefly mention a little bit later.
0: Nice. In the nice. I'll just real quick, for me... The Sierra Online games was what caused me to leave the Coco. Because now we had games with 16 color and music and animation. And I didn't know they were on the Coco, to be honest with you. And if they were and I saw them, I probably would have been really disappointed because they're slower and the music wasn't as good. But seeing the Space Quest and King's Quest on the Tandy 1000, that was like mind-blowing for the time. Like 1986, seeing 16 colors and three voice music. Coming from the Cocoa world, that was literally like a quantum leap in computer gaming. And so I was like, okay, bye-bye, Cocoa, hello, Tandy <laughs> 1000. And that's what caused me to jump ship was these type of games here. And they, some of my fondest memories, other than Cocoa Gamings, are the old Sierra Um yeah. One thing adventures. that always
6: confused me about the Sierra games for the Cocoa, the official releases, which is Leader leadership layer in King's Quest <clears> three, <throat> is that they defaulted the game. Now, we, the engine is running a bit slower because we're running on a 1.78 megahertz 6809 versus you know 4.77 7 or 7 point whatever mm-hmm. megahertz tandy i can't remember what speed they ran it um but basically they have the default speed not fast like there's there's i think slow oh. normal fast and fastest and okay. they have it on like the third slowest okay. or second slowest okay by default now you can go change that in the menu and it's or still a bit slow you t- used
0: tandy. to be able to type in slow or fast or something like that too couldn't you
6: I. Uh, could be. I always just use the the menu because you can bring down the pop-down menu. But I don't know why, knowing that the Cocoa would have been slower in the first place because it's just just simple speed of the CPU – why they didn't default it to a faster one, because it actually made it look worse than it is. It, it,
0: yeah, really yeah. Funny. So to me, it's, I think I saw them once or twice when I started dabbling in the Coco 3 stuff you know, in the past couple of years, and I was still kind of turned off. It's, uh, my, you know, I just have a certain memory of how things looked and felt and sounded, and the Coco 3 didn't quite deliver, so I never got into the Sierra on the Coco. But I'm obviously interested now if they're getting optimized and they're going to be on the build and everything else. Is the gimme
10: chip going to do any good uh, running this?
6: <clears throat> what, do you, what do you mean, Ralph? Horsepower? It, well, the, it's running on the Gimme Chip. Or do you mean the Gimme X, maybe?
10: Yeah, that's what I mean. The Gimme X, the new one. Well, the Gimme X would make the whole computer faster, right? <clears throat> so. Would it have the horsepower to play this um, without it worrying? Yeah,
6: I mean, the, the Gimme X would add the option of doing 256 color, <clears throat> but because of the way the screens are mapped in, it would be quite a rewrite to get that to work. Um, so you could, I guess, technically, you'd also have to use the newer engine, too. Like, this is the old 16 color engine that's being disassembled, etc., <clears throat> And all the games that have been ported have to be compatible with the older 16-color engine. So that's why we've got ports of some of the games and some of the homebrews and stuff too, but you won't get the newest, you know, King's Quest V or anything like that because that was on a completely new engine they did for 256 colors and higher palettes, and et cetera. <clears throat> so we'd have to get that ported over, which is not, not done. And you'd have, you know, some memory issues because we're an 8-bit CPU and anything that ran that new engine, I think, was 16-bit or higher for the most part. Right. So the,
0: no. <laughs> well, the, the, I
6: would say probably not. It's probably not impossible. It would be a lot of work.
11: Okay.
0: That would be kind of neat. We had a, we had a question to, to, to do a how-to how homebrew uh, an AGI. So, yeah, for those who aren't aware, these early games were based on something that was called the AGI, or the Adventure Game Interpreter. And the brilliance behind this was is the entire game was basically a set of data files and scripts. And so the game was a set of files. And all you needed was a single binary that spoke the language. And, and then all the game data would play on given platforms. So they had AGI's for MS-DOS. They had the AGI for the Coco 3. They had it for a lot of the 16-bit platforms like the Atari ST and the Amiga. And even the Apple II GS. So there were a lot of 8-bit and 16-bit systems that played these games, and they didn't have to rewrite the games. They wrote the games in a clever enough way where the game was written in kind of like a game engine, so to speak. And you just needed to recompile that game engine or that interpreter for the given platform for them to run on. And so that is why we have so many of these games on the Coco 3 is that the games exist. And as long as we have a, an interpreter that runs on the Coco, we can play any game written for the AGI format, the arcade uh, adventure game interpreter. Um, and and uh, Alan was asking, it would be cool to get a, a demo on how to make an AGI game. They're, they're probably out there on YouTube somewhere. Um, yeah,
6: like I will mention, too, the, 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 the homebrews that have been made, there is a, a, a set of a utility suite for Windows that actually lets you script the games, draw the graphics, everything else for the AGI engine. And that's actually a public or a freely available thing for Uh. the Homebrew games. And that is actually on the Color Computer Archive. So if anybody who's running Windows is interested in making their own game, you can download that. That suite of utilities to actually create the games and they will run with the cocoa engine
0: wow, that's neat what what I liked about these games too was that you know um, the uh, my first experience was on the Tandy 1000 or it's called it the PC jr which still did not have sprite hardware so this was all done in software rendering of the screen but you had foreground and background so you could like walk yeah. behind a tree you could like walk th- semi three-dimensionally like off into the distance yeah, that kind of like a multi-layer thing you could walk in front of trees behind trees so So it had this whole multi-layer thing that was actually more advanced than you could get in regular hardware sprites or tile sets and stuff. So it was pretty cool. Um, And, you know, the graphics got more advanced over time. A lot of them first just looked like they were drawn with the draw statement and paint statements to get them up on screen. But you had this feeling of immersion where you could be in front of and behind things and, you know, deeper into the scene and stuff. So it was a really... Cool thing for the time. You look at it now, it's like, oh my god, my eyes hurt. But back then, this was like, oh my god, this is amazing. You know, so.
6: um, I remember when they came out on the Coco. Like, I think King's Quest three actually is the first one that came out, if I remember correctly. And uh, just seeing that level of graphics detail and and the multi-layer planes.
0: um, Yeah, I think they started off as like a one hundred and sixty by. Uh, something resolution and then they eventually got into the 320 by 240 but originally they're even like 160 pixels yep. wide which is pretty low res when you think about it
6: the coco uh, simulates that okay the, the coco version actually runs at 320 okay but it, it it treats it as a 160 so in the 16 color mode a byte is two pixels So normally, if you have to worry about putting stuff behind a tree or something that's partly see-through or something Mm -hmm. like that, you have to do all this bit masking and stuff here to... Well, you know that, Steve, you did on your basic demos when you had Mm a little rocket ship flying around. But you have to do all that masking, which takes extra CPU time. So in order to speed it up on on slower 8-bit machines like the Cocoa, They just treated it as a 160 screen, so every byte was considered one pixel, even though it's technically two pixels in that graphics mode. So there's no bit masking. It's just, you know, byte masking. Okay, Basically, this byte is on or it's off on whatever color, and that's all you have to worry about. You don't have to do ands and ors and all this other stuff. So they did that specifically to speed the engine up.
0: Cool. I'd be interested to see where the future of, uh, of these games go on the Cocoa.
6: Yeah, I, I, like, there's a few patches I want to do to it, too. Like, right now, if you're running it on an older 1-meg machine or older 2-meg upgrades, um, you need a special patch version, which is currently not compatible with 512k versions. So that you, there's two versions floating around. Depending on your machine, you have to pick which one you want to run. I want to fix that. It's also cheating to get that to work by using a lot of self-modifying code, which is one of the reasons you can't run more than one of these at once. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to fix that too, just to make it a bit more standard. And then I'm going to optimize it. I did notice there's some six eight 9 optimizations, not a ton of them, but there's a few I can even do on that. And then uh, obviously a six through nine sped up version would help. I mean, running it right now under Nitrous Nine six 9, you do get native mode, so it is running ten to fifteen percent faster to begin with, which is a help. But mm-hmm. I also want to change it so it defaults to the fastest, so it actually runs more like the Tandy one thousand version out of the box rather than this slowed down version. Like I said, I still don't know why they did that. And then also, as you mentioned, we, you know supporting some of the sound cards and, and seeing we get some of the three-voice music in there.
0: Cool. Okay. Probably spent longer on that one article than necessary, but that's what we're here for, <laughs> to report on the news and then discuss as necessary, right? So.
12: <laughs> Expand. Hey, Expand. at least it wasn't about the MC-10. <laughs> I always
6: thought I'd think thinking about, talking about optimizing the basic for you know, King's Quest. No, never mind.
8: Uh. <laughs>
6: Next up, Sheldon McDonald, who's been fiddling around with the old uh, semi-graphic stuff here in a semi-language lately, and he's also been doing his, his semi-language uh, learning series. So he posted a video of what he calls Zelda 1-style scrolling, which is four-way scrolling. So it's kind of like Rally SG um, that Nick, Nick did. Now, Sheldon's just learning this stuff, so for him it's all new. But he put a video up showing his little scrolling demo here, which I'll play. Did he get
0: Nick Moranty's permission to use semi-graphics? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that! Oh, look at that. That is so cool.
6: I think at this point he's not double buffering yet, but okay. uh, it still is running pretty good.
7: Yeah. I think what you meant to say is
6: crikey,
0: crikey. <laughs> yeah. That's neat.
6: So, Nick, uh, since you actually just literally did this um, for Rally SG, uh, any comments on scrolling and stuff? Any tricks, tips?
1: Uh, not really. It, uh, it, semi-graphics is uh, uh, weirdly mapped, so it does make um, scrolling it horizontally at a pixel level is a little bit more awkward than trying to do it on a bitmap screen. Um, I don't know if he's scrolling a byte or a pixel at a time on that. I, I, I think he's doing please.
6: a byte, so two pixels at a time.
1: Yeah, well, a bite, a byte's easy enough, but I, I remember when I tried to do Rally I tried to do a pixel horizontal scroll, which would have made the horizontal scrolling um smoother. But because of the way it's mapped and the extra CPU time uh that it would have taken, it was slowing it down. It was slower to scroll horizontally than it was vertically. So but in, you, you know, get you know, get
6: the color clash up problem too when you you're doing the yeah, well, that, that's you, you part can pick of the a problem. color and black. That's it.
1: That's right. You can only have uh one color plus black per byte. So if you're scrolling horizontally, what happens there is the pixels do merge into the other byte. So then you've got a color clash. So it was really awkward. So um, yeah. yeah, To be
6: honest, I wouldn't have bothered myself. I probably would have just went for the
1: one-byte scroll in the first place. Well, I did in the end. It was yeah. just so slow and so awkward. I That's what I did. But my original plan was to try and make it pixel-pixel. But unless... I did away with a lot of the color. Um, Yeah, it was very awkward. So anyway.
6: Okay. And that'll be our segue into Nick has started his next Coco3 project, uh, which is
1: this one here. Ah, so I uh, will yeah. let
6: Nick Nick take it away. Um, if you want me to scroll to certain screenshots or
1: part uh, of the, uh, cool. yeah, we'll leave it there. We'll just talk a bit a bit about it. I suppose zero hour is my latest uh, game idea. And as I, I mentioned in the uh, on the website, I was it was time that I got into another game, and you know my my desire to buy my fourth Ferrari was uh, high. Yeah, the so Ferraris I don't thought, pay
6: for themselves, so that's you know, right. So
1: it. I had to get a have to get another Ferrari. So I thought, okay, I'll start this year off on a high after last year's all bad news. I said, well, we're going to have a good year this year. So uh, I I thought I'll do a new game. And originally I was going to do Donut Dilemma, my old game, which was only a Cocoa 1 and 2 game, uh, which I, I, I patched for Cocoa 3, but it wasn't really a true Cocoa 3 game. So originally I was going to do a Donut Dilemma uh, just the same game, but using a 320 by 200, 16 color, and whatever. But then I thought, gee, I've, I've, I've really been stuck on this donut dilemma for so long. I've done <laughs> versions of this game. I've done conversions of this game. I thought, well, time to time to uh, give it a break and do something else. Yeah, because you so
6: did Maximite it, versions. And- I did okay.
1: a version for the Australian Maximite. I did a version um model one got, for the well the model one one was the first one so it really starts way back in 83 where i did the model one then i did a cocoa, then i i did the cocoa three modified version and i did a maximite anyway i think i think it's time to uh lay it to rest and i decided no i won't do another donut dilemma <laughs> then i started looking at my rupert rhythm which is what my most hated game or that I hate the most. Um, and I thought, well, I should really redo that game and just give it the the, the treatment it really needed. Because back then, that was my first Coco 3 game. So Rupert Rhythm was my um, uh, my, um first experience. game <laughs> where I was still learning. So there's lots of things I could improve on that game. So do I do a Rupert Rhythm? And I almost started a Rupert Rhythm again. But then I thought, nah. <laughs> and in the end, I decided I'll do a mashup. I'll do something that is similar to Donuts' Dilemma, but similar to Rupert Rhythm. And um, for those that remember the Rupert Rhythm game, if you look at the, the image on the bottom left, it looks very Rupert Rhythm ish, where, <clears throat> where you have a, a screen full of doors and you, you pick a door to go to a room. So it's still got very much a lot of the Ripper Rhythm in it. But the game itself is a bit more like Donut Dilemma in that every screen has a, a machine or something that you have to uh, contend with, uh, dodging things or whatever. So it's got a bit of do- Donut Dilemma in it as well. And then I, I tried to give it a bit more of a mission uh, compared to the other two games whereby, okay, let's... Let's make it so you're saving the world um, from being well, the city anyway, from getting blown up by an atomic bomb that's been planted. And in one of the rooms, in 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 the main room of the building, which if you look at the bottom left image again, there's another door there in the middle of the or just below the, the center of the screen. That's the door you finally got to get into, but you can't access it until you enter all the other doors and go into those rooms and disable the security systems on each of those rooms. And uh, as you do each room, there's uh, 12 rooms um, that you've got to do. You disable the security system, which eventually will activate that, that door to go to the main room, which is where the bomb is. And then you've got to disarm the bomb and save the world and then... And, only then will I then be able to afford my next Ferrari. So, <laughs> yeah. so that's basically it. So at this stage, all I've done is um, I'm still designing the game. And the first thing I did was to create a, a level editor in in BASIC uh, whereby I, I have a set of tiles that I drew up on. I've, I've just got an Amiga that I have been using for years to create tiles. I just draw them up. And then once I've got the tile or tile set created, I can then use this basic editor to then just place the tiles on the screen so I can create the levels that I want to do. So there's no code. It's just the graphic design for each of the levels. And then once I've got all the levels planned, then I start the code. But uh, there's a lot of planning to go ahead because I'm trying to make it so it's a, it's got a bit of an adventure element whereby you have to enter one room, get something which you then take to another room to access something else to get through that room. And then you can jump out and go back to another room and complete that room. I'm trying to give it a bit of an adventure uh, element as well, whereby you don't just follow it level by level like in Donut Dilemma. You just go linearly through each level. You have to actually move about from room to room, collecting objects that you need and bringing it back, similar to a lot of games like, like Dragons, is Slayer, it Dragon yeah. Slayer. Yeah, um, the, on the Coco uh, 3, I think it was. Um, so I'm trying to do that, and, and and that's basically what I'm at. I do have an idea to have a nice graphical effect, which I won't say what it will be um because I'm still <laughs> designing it or hoping I can do it. So at the risk of not spreading any vaporware, I won't mention it now, but when I get the test done and I and I actually can do it, then I'll 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 set up a chapter on my um, blog page and explain what it is. But That's it um, Nick, always let them leave them wanting more. Leave them wanting more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, I uh, basically, I don't want to spread any any bullshit at this point. So. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah, save that for I later. To, um, yeah, I just want to mention, before. too, on the Amigos show, uh, Aaron and, and John mentioned actually your blog here on their Amiga news column because you mentioned that you're using Brilliance 2 on your Amiga to create the game tiles. Yeah. So they were quite thought it was quite cool that you're using one retro machine to fuel another retro machine to making a new game,
1: you know? Yeah. Well, I've, I've been using, I've been using that technique because I'm I uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I, I, I was using an Amiga even back in the eighties. I had an Amiga 1000 back then. And I used that to create the tiles for my um, early Coco three games then. So, or, Using an Amiga now is really no different. I haven't really <laughs> changed at all. <laughs> um, also, what I mentioned, too, 8Bits in the Basement, who lives in France, mentioned he saw
6: Donut Dilemma on eBay this week for $230 Australian, and I said, are you serious? And he said, yes, 100%.
1: Really? Oh, okay. I a bid on that. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's if <laughs> you should put it back rip-off. up for
6: sale, I think, is what we're saying here because you can make 130 yeah. bucks a copy.
1: Uh, yeah, I could make it a dollar cheaper. <laughs> um, I don't know what
6: sucker I mean, I a fan wouldn't know. want it for that price, but okay.
1: Was that um, and uh, I'd have to have a look myself, but I know that that's been there a long time, so I don't think that's uh. That's oh, so it, it doesn't
6: sell at that price, is what you're saying?
1: I don't think so. No, you'd be stupid <laughs> if you Well
7: <laughs> oh, well Nick, you, you... now if someone would want to obtain Donut Dilemma, isn't it one of isn't it a bonus feature on one of your recent releases?
1: Well, I think I think I do bundle it with a lot of my games for free anyway. So yeah, and you have your I mean. of 3 enhanced one on some of your latest ones. And there's well you can uh, you can download that for free as well. So yeah, I don't know what else they're selling on the side with that, but at that price. I'm curious to know if it's an Australian ad because I know there was one Australian fellow who was um trying to sell it at that ludicrous price. And I actually emailed him, I said, Yeah, you're dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> and I should know I'm the author. <laughs> yeah, David so. David Sharon
6: in the chat say, Imagine what Gunstar would sell for for
1: this <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to wait thirty years before it gets to that value. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. But yeah, that's that's my latest game anyway for now. So um um
6: Now, at this point, because I know Nick Morota asked this and a few others did on Facebook when you announced the blog entry, you're not sure at this point if it's going to be 6809 or 6309. It
1: depends on the effects you're trying to plan, et cetera. Yeah, I will try to make it 6809. That is my preference. But because I'm utilizing the engine I had in Gunstar, uh, and the reason I do that is because the Gunstar engine was really easy to program once you go – once you have the engine creating the multi-planar graphics, which, um, which Gunstar used, whereby I can have a background plane, I can have a foreground plane, I can have a sprite plane and an overlay plane, and it makes it very easy to do, to do those overlays. Um, things like on the Amiga, you had that in, built into hardware. So this is sort of emulating that. And it makes it very easy to do sprites. And uh, the problem with the engine, though, is that it it does rely on the ability to copy large blocks of RAM, essentially the video display, to to, to copy an entire screen from one location to another. And that is time-consuming, especially for a little 1.79 megahertz 8-bit computer. So hence why Gunstar had to go to a 6309 just to get the speed. Now, I'm using a modified Gunstar engine on this um, in order to try and create a higher resolution because Gunstar used a lower resolution. By reducing the amount of memory uh, in the game, it allowed those copies to happen a bit quicker. And that was the only way I was able to do Gunstar. So with with Zero Hour, I thought, I want to do one. I want that engine, but I want it in a high res. But to do that, of course, then I've got that problem where I've got a lot of RAM to copy. So to get around it, I've gone for a resolution which is uh, 256 pixels, a bit a bit lower horizontally, but I do still use the full-height full, full height 225 scan lines um, display, although I don't have to copy the part at the very bottom where the uh, control panel is. So I've, I've done that, and also I... This game doesn't have scrolling on the screen. It's just a static screen. Whereas Gunstar, of course, it was scrolling the entire screen, both vertically and horizontally. So there was a bit more RAM to manipulating Gunstar. So I've I've done a few simple simplifications that I'm hoping, and I've done some tests, I'm hoping will give it enough speed so I can incorporate the Gunstar engine on this. And that will allow... The sprites, to be more easily uh, managed and displayed, I'll be able to create little overlays. And also this special effect that I've got as a guarded secret as well, which (laughs) I'll explain later on, uh, it allows it to happen as well. Um, Does that involve Vegemite smearing across the screen at any time? (laughs) (laughs) No, no Vegemite voodoo in this one. (laughs) It, I'm hoping it, it will look good. If it works, it will look good. So, um, yeah, watch this space. It's something that we've never seen before on the cargo. Cool. So, that's
0: that's like a, a bold it's, statement right there. I know. We've, we've I
1: know, seen a lot right.
0: on the cocoa. A lot of it's come from you, no less. But yeah, <laughs>
1: <you know>. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. So, yeah, I don't want to say anything because it might turn out to be bullshit. But <laughs> 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 I, I'm going to sell it, it Nick. Nick. That's yeah. right. I'm going to wait and, and prove it to myself first. Right. So far, it's looking like it will happen. But, yeah, I'm going to wait, and then I'll announce it. Or
0: later on, we'll have to edit this video with hashtag fake news. So, uh. <laughs> 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 that's right. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Um, and looking that's about forward to it. it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh-huh. So it's the start of my um my next project. It's a Coco 3 game. Um, It will require 512K. um and i don't know how long it'll take cuz uh, it, you know coco 3 games t- tend to take a uh, a bit longer for me to do than what i did with pipes and uh, rally sg because it's a more what well, the games higher res, more complicated than those other games but i do i do <laughs> i do have plans to do another game in between which uh hopefully will be another sg graphics game and Hopefully it won't take too long. It'll act as a circuit breaker so that when I'm really tired and burnt out, just when I'm about to say give it up, I'm going to jump to another project, quickly do that, and then when my head is clear, I can return back to <laughs> to zero hour and finish it off. Sounds like, another, it sounds like another fundraising side
0: project. <laughs> well, that's, right. Yeah, that, that's I need, right. I need to make a quick mill while I work on my well, billion right. dollar game. That's right? so, for my Ferraris?
1: That's all. Ferrari prices are going up. You know, I'm paying more than $2 now for a Ferrari for Matchbox. So, yeah, I've got to take into account the inflation, uh, the inflation rate. So. Well, just sell
6: one of those donuts to for $230. You're well on your way. Yeah, well,
1: market. that's right. Yeah. yeah.
7: yeah. yeah well, things are then. tough all over.
0: And yeah. We, we, <laughs> That's awesome, Nick. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, we do have a question from Bally Alley in, in the live chat on our Twitch yep. channel. Um, he's asking, do homebrew games require extra RAM nowadays? And extra is kind of a, a loaded question. But f- uh, 512K is a standard amount of RAM for the Coco 3. Uh, and it was never sold with that much. It's sold with 128K. But it was able to be upgraded to 512, 2 meg, and 8 meg back in the day. And nowadays... Five twelve and two meg boards are twenty forty dollars to add to the cocoa. Yeah. Candy so
6: themselves it, officially sold five twelve yeah. k upgrades. Right. They didn't go so past that, but uh. it,
0: it, we we have had some discussions on this. I think it was right around episode one sixty four where we got into back to the cocoa. If you're new to the cocoa hobby, what do you need to know and We kind of all agree this is not a 1% or first world stance. It's more of a realistic one. But 512K on a Coco 3 should be considered the minimum standard because even games made back in the 90s required 512K. It's not like the uber elite new generation of games need this. That's been a standard for, for 30 years.
6: Yeah. Well, as I yeah. give you an example, the, the Sierra games we were discussing, Kings Quest 3 Lynch today, those both required 512K back in the day.
7: Yeah, yeah. So, And there are 512K and 1Meg upgrades modern available currently. Yeah,
6: yeah. Through yeah, multiple 512K. Vendors. And, to make, and yeah. they're actually quite cheap. So. Yeah, the new, yeah, Very the, inexpensive.
0: The new generation of hardware upgrades are extremely affordable for the Cocoa. It's probably one of the cheapest things to get accessories for in the retro space. Yeah. Yeah. I think the uh, last
6: time I checked, I think uh, the 512K, like the boomerang, the original you know, classic boomerang 512K is like less than $20. Yeah,
0: somewhere in the 20 to $30 price range for that with shipping. And the two so megs are around,
6: what, 50 or the, 60 Yeah, 40 or
0: 50 something like yeah. It's
9: something you get while you pick up your 6309. Yeah,
6: right?
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah. So yep. there uh, you go. There you go. Yeah, definitely. Well, well, to become part of the
6: one percent as Nick Morota calls all of us. Yeah,
1: so. right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, the Gunstar engine w- wouldn't work in 128K anyway. So, right. Basically, right, right, the more right. RAM you've got, the more you can do. So, in a yeah. lot of games yeah. uh nowadays do do that. So
6: now I will mention, I mean, if you have a one twenty eight K and there's there's quite a few games that do run in one twenty eight K. So if that's all you got right now, there's still lots of stuff you can you can play around with. But yeah, even back in the day, especially in the later years of the Coco before it Council, there was quite a few games requiring five twelve, because if you want to do digitized sound effects and stuff, that takes a fair bit of RAM. So a lot of you know, Contras and Pac Dude Monster Maze, uh Leisure Suit Larry, King's Quest three, Sinistar, they all required five twelve K for the the extra effects they put in. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep. All right, and that's that's all for me. Fantastic, thank you, Nick Morentes. Uh, do we have more game on and news, or on, was that the last of the game on news, Curtis? That
6: is the last of the game on news.
0: I'm sorry, Nick. What were we going to say, Nick Morentes? Oh, <laughs> when
1: you said my name, I said, and you only need to say it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Nick <laughs> Morentes, Nick <laughs> Morentes, <Nick Marintes>, right?
0: <laughs> All right, well, we are going to take a commercial break before we come back with regular news. News news. That was gaming news. So we're going to come back with around-the-world news from L. Curtis Boyle. And so we're going to leave you with a commercial break. And I am just trying to see what... You know what? What have we not run in a while? Well, actually, Fletcher. since... Well, we we run Fletcher pretty regularly. Since Nick Morentes is here, how about we run a... Uh, a little bit of a Gunstar-type uh, spoof commercial here as we take a break, and we'll be back with more Coco Talk in just about two minutes.
6: And now these messages. Hello,
11: I'm David Ladd. Thank you for watching Coco Talk, the world's leading live Cocoa Talk show.
3: Good night. This is Nick Marionettes. Crikey. After you buy Gunstar... Stop right there. Okay, fine. After you bought Gunstar, go ahead and buy your copy of the Coco Fest edition of Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. It's a quarter of the quality at half the cost.
6: ESP 8266-01, RS-232, TTL, Wi-Fi network, 4-pin DIM,
7: banger DB9, PC, IP, DriveWire, DriveWire, drive wire.
2: This portion of Cocoa Talk brought to you by Placeblex Dietary Supplement. Placeblex, Thought to help you with your floppy life.
3: In a world where hard drives rule and floppies are superfluous, one man, one legend, one old fart dared to learn the floppy and took the brunt of jokes then all hard drives and SSDs died but the floppy survived and the only man who knew floppies became a legend once more. Floppy Life, the David Ladd story. This summer, straight to YouTube.
6: Eight-slot MPI, Floppy Drive, Coco SDC, Sound Speech Pack, Orchestra 90, RS-232 Pack, Modem Pack, Super IDE, you start
7: adding all those together if you want them all usable at the same time well guess what you just went over
6: the four slot mpi david Ladd.
4: oh i'm
6: much happier breaking stuff
0: ladies and gentlemen david ladd featured exclusively on coco talk for your listening and viewing pleasure Ooh. <laughs> Before we get into news, I just figured that this week's Cocoa Thoughts was so good. And I think James Jones came in a little bit late and said he might have missed it. Um, We'll get into the whole new channel thing a little bit later at the end of the news segment, too. But if if you're tuning in late and you missed this week's Cocoa Thoughts with Samuel Gimes, it is... Kind of like Nick Morota. It's so nice, you must play it thrice, because we might play this a third time later on today. But here, for your viewing and listening pleasure, is an encore presentation of this <laughs> week's Samuel Gimes Cocoa Thoughts. And now, Cocoa Thoughts,
2: by Samuel Gimes. Ow! there by my outdoor privy (laughs) I knew he didn't drink just too much iced tea his urge was growing strong things could go really wrong and I could tell it wouldn't be long till he took my prize tissue and I could tell it wouldn't be long it would be worse than a coup singing I need my TV. To put another roll in the outhouse, baby. I need my TP. Don't so come and take it now, or I'll shoot thee.
0: I'll shoot thee. Ew. <laughs> Little uh, lancer humor there he for you.
2: So I lined <laughs> up and prepared my aim. It don't matter, TP thieves are all the same. I shot him in the dome, and his life was blown and next I was moving on to get a new sheet thief. I know what's going on, Mr. Whipple Love me. Mr. Whipple. I need my TP to put another roll in the outhouse, baby. I need my TP. Go so come and take it now or I'll
3: shoot thee.
0: I'll shoot thee. <laughs> Instant classic. I will <laughs> shoot thee. Ah, and De Bruce Moore says my wife is laughing her face off at guys.
6: <laughs> That's a few wives reacted that
7: way to uh, the game this week. So uh, since we replayed the video, do I need to repeat my corny joke?
0: <laughs> corny jokes not included. All right, are we ready for news with El Curtis? What on real news? Yes. Then first we this professional news. show. We've got an infographic, and then get ready to share El Curtis.
3: From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on news from Hello a Muppet News Flash.
0: Okay, News Flash. It's 2021. The cocoa was made in 1980. Nothing new to talk about. Go home.
6: Good night, everybody. <laughs> okay, so first step on our news is another MC10 story, which we've been definitely doing more of lately.
2: MC10. So, Jim McClellan has been
6: updating his MIC draw and he's up he upgraded. I think he did 1.1 last week or 1.2, and now we're up to 2.0. So, now he's added uh, block text to it, which he calls alpha type mode. You had to control it to get into it. Then you can do those large letters you see on the screenshot there uh, without you having to actually draw individual points. So, this is a graphics editor for Semi Graphics 4 on the MZ10, basically. And he allows you to save it. And now in a couple of different things, you can save it as an independent basic program that generates it or a binary file you can straight load. You've got the text added. In. So
0: that's kind of – basically it's a font. He's added fonts to yeah, the semi-graphics basically. screen. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool.
6: So if you want to do, for example, say an MC10 you know, graphical adventure game in the semi-graphics 4, this would be perfect for drawing that kind of stuff. So right, right. off, especially with an SD. SD, SD, really, like SD
0: 32 right? Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this so this looks similar to what Simon Jonason and, and Davy Mitchell have done with their um, SG Edit, which is a web-based utility for, for generating this uh, graphics block text mode and saving it out. Um, but this is an actual program running on the MC ten where you can generate the graphics and save them and, and um, use them for you know software productions. Very cool stuff.
6: Yep, uh, all for the low, low price of free, as he states.
8: <laughs> At now, he's got a direct link. If left. you go to
6: the MC10 uh, group on Facebook, he has the direct link there to his Google Drive that has the yeah. download of yeah. it. So if cool. you have an MC10, go grab it. Next up, we have uh, Simon, who's been fiddling with uh, doing his little bouncy tours thing on the Cocoa 1 and 2. In this case, he's also starting to mix modes. Now, I tried to maximize the video in the lower right corner, but every time I does, it does that full screen thing, which usually does not share properly over. So I'll play the little mini version just so you can kind of see an idea of what it's doing. But my apologies for being so slow. But you can see it's actually bouncing into the text mode, and it's got, you know, several different graphics modes going across, and...
0: Right. And the thing that, so yeah, you've got like the, uh, you've got the four color set, you've got the monochrome set, you've got the text set, and then the donut is technically overscanned past the border. So you can see where the text is, that's technically where the border ends, and that's where the graph, the the plottable graphic spaces end, but he's somehow overscanning the screen where he's able to put things visually outside the legal edge of
7: uh, the graphic screen. It's
2: breaking laws here. Breaking the law, breaking the law. <laughs> well,
7: if that's a giant donut, is angry Angelo at it Yes, again? Uh, there's a dilemma here.
6: I could, I could be all the flames coming in off the left there. I don't yeah,
0: know. so we're mixing did like he, three different modes here at least. Did he get permission from me to use that? Yeah, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. I, I feel a copyright strike coming on. Um, <laughs> wow. No, but anyway, something- it
6: involves some tricks between the SAM and the VDG, which is why these tricks do not work in the MC-10, because the MC-10 does not have a SAM, unfortunately. Um, there are some tricks you can do in the MC10 hardware, but this is not one of the ones you're you can do. But having yeah, the overscan and stuff like that is is based on diff- are the two chips you know working in conjunction with each other and some tricks you can do there.
0: Cool. Simon the Madman Jonathan, add it again.
6: Yeah. Next up we have another update to the SDCX, and this is actually kind of a reaction to multiple Requests from uh, users that got the... New version like, that sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, staring my throat. You know, like whiny Australians like Nick <laughs> Rantes, for example. Um, <laughs> so, so basically, he's added a configuration program that allows you to change some of the defaults that the SDC Explorer actually uses. Uh, like restoring your last session, because some people like that feature, some people don't. Um, having the splash screen at the beginning, you know, whether you want that or not. Do You want the sorting, because especially if you get larger directories, it's, it takes a little bit of time. So if you really don't care and you know your, your disk is organized how you want it, then I can just skip that part. And he's got composite video support now too, because it was getting pretty hard to read with some of the color choices on, you know, set up for RGB, but mm. composite mm. on the on the Coco three in specific.
5: So right.
6: the new version is available at the Color Computer Archive, free now, download.
0: Hold that thought for one second, too, because I'm just playing uh, playing uh, value-added here today, but especially since we have some seemingly new uh, audience members. So if you're not aware, so the Coco SDC is our for lack of a better term, it's kind of like a multi-cart. If you're used to other vintage systems that have multi-carts that let you use SD cards to run different ROM images, this is similar to a multi-cart, but it acts—it emulates a floppy and hard drive controller and lets you load disk images. And so that's what the SDC is. And again, getting back to how the Cocoa is one of the cheapest retro machines to get upgrades for, the SDC is probably like $75 with the case or something. It's very reasonably priced. Um, but but um, as a device, you would still have to be familiar with using some commands to mount the image and load the image. So what the SDCX is, the uh, SDC Explorer, is it's basically kind of like a GUI that was created that you can auto boot and you can view directories and just kind of up and down or joystick control and launch your software very quickly and very easily. Um, recently, right before Christmas, or right towards the end of December, they, they uh, did a 1.1 update that added a splash screen. That was kind of cool. Hey, here's a really cool, really pretty picture that first loads when the SDC boots up. And apparently not everybody was happy with that. So um, we've not only given you the option to maybe turn that off, but there's other tweaks here too. But the the SDC Explorer is absolutely free and it is a must-have with your Cocoa SDC, which is a must-have if you have a real Cocoa, I have spoken.
6: Yeah. And just to mention, too, in case <laughs> it's not obvious from the, the splash screen we're showing here, especially if you're uh, new to the Cocoa community, is that the SDC itself, the hardware and the SDCX program actually run on the Cocoa 1 and 2 as well as the 3. So this actually applies to all three COCOs.
0: Right. The only requirement is your Coco needs to have extended basic and that is true to have any any type of disk controller on the Coco. You can't yes. have stock color basic, you need extended basic and then you can run this SDC. Yeah.
6: But as you mentioned, it's one of the must-haves. I mean, Absolutely. if you have real hardware, the SDC is probably the I I would say it ranks even higher than RAM. You know, your CPU upgrades as far as a must-have upgrade because yeah. this gives you access to all the floppy. It's
0: second place to real-time stuff. clock as far as most important things to add to your Cocoa. Well, that's
7: cool. <laughs> ah. Not to mention any particular Cocoa 3 video solutions. So. Nah.
0: No shameful plugs in this show.
7: <laughs> <laughs> that was just alluded to. <laughs>
6: Now we have a question from Tim Frank on the chat here. Here's a question: Why do COCOA software writers never put an exit function? We always have to reset or cycle power. I can answer that. Copy protection, copy so that you protection. couldn't break into the game. Because if you mm. added, so you can clean exit. You could like you know cheat, save at it and state, and save, save memory game, state, hack yeah. the high score table. You know whatever else you wanted to do. So it was a some some of it. I mean, they put in a reset hook so you could do the switching between artifacting modes. But uh, mainly, it was mainly so you you know you make it harder to copy.
0: Right. Well, the other thing too is if even if the program exited "quote unquote" cleanly, what it left in RAM would be h- really hard to say. Because I've had where I've gotten out of games, and then you try to run Basic and you're getting like out of memory errors and all kinds of other weird yeah, stuff like the basic that. Hooks and so even if and... even if it, for lack of better terms, you know, dropped you back to your DOS prompt and dropped you back to your Basic, it it would not necessarily clean itself out of memory, and that's going to yeah. still cause potential problems. So I don't think there is a real super clean way to do it.
6: Yeah, I mean, some uh, programs did. I mean, some programs that were designed to be ran and then exited and then ran again. Yeah, you know, some of them did. A lot of homemade assembly language games, like the stuff that T and D and Chroma put out, they would exit and cleanly clean up after themselves. But most of the commercial ones, they weren't concerned with that.
0: Yeah, but especially in the case of games, they they were treating it like it was an Atari or a game console where you were going to basically power cycle in between games. Anyways, that was kind of the mentality yeah. and expectations, I think.
6: Yeah, I mean, again, the second game you're loading wouldn't know what the first game had re-manipulated right. to Right,
0: and, be then, and then so loading. he's also asking, can you wipe memory and do a cold boot? There's probably ways you could do that. You could probably run a routine to do an execute yeah, that does a restart. The Coco
6: 3 has an easy way of doing that. You hold down Control-Alt and you hit the Reset button on the back, then you the three amigos, <laughs> and then you hit Reset again, and that is an actual cold boot. That is actually one of the reasons it's there. The graphics was just to gussy it up a bit. Right. The Coco 1, I think you have to do, what is it, poke 113, 0, then hit Reset or type Exec. Four zero nine 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 but i mean your your average beginning user is not going to remember all that crap, so yeah. no, on the cocoa one two it's not not quite as obvious
0: <laughs> click click Thank, I, but but I, thanks for those questions Tim uh next caller you're on the air <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: next up we have uh Alan Huffman, once again, here, he's just been blogging a storm these last few weeks.
0: If this was a drinking game, I would be drunk right now for every time you've mentioned Alan Huffman, an MC ten from the <laughs>
6: <laughs> So this is benchmarking the Coco Keyboard Part 6. So this has been an ongoing series where Alan's kind of discovering, you know, how the whole keyboard rollover table and basic works, so you can actually register keys that are being held down as as opposed to in-key, which means you hit it and then it you have to hit it again to get it to repeat the key. So he was getting some strange results, and then he figures out after going through all this, uh, you know, doing some testing on some of the routines he's been doing for speed, et cetera, and it turns out, he, he said, what am I, is there, what am I not seeing? Where is my typo? Please help. And then update. I found my typo. It's a stupid one. Do you see what I did wrong? So it's a challenge to the reader now to figure out exactly
9: ah, what is missing okay. in his
6: code. And several people in the chat have already answered that question correctly. Uh, but I'm not going to spoil that. So if you guys want to take a bit of a brain teaser there and figure out what exactly Alan did wrong, uh, go to his uh, blog site, do it, and then you can actually post your response down in the comments below. But it's been really interesting watching him go through all this. You know, he actually got basic programs that can register like multiple keys held down simultaneously. Uh, you can you can do key repeat stuff in games and stuff like that too. So it's a it's pretty interesting. Also, the differences between the different ROMs too. Next up, we have Trey Tome. Tomes is it? Tomes or Tomes or sure
0: Or it could be Tome. Uh-huh. I'm not sure. Oh. Yeah. who knows?
6: So he put up a screenshot and a GitHub link, and he's reproducing the virtual machine screensaver, which I believe is a Linux screensaver. Is that? I'm not familiar with the screensaver, so I don't really know. I want those flying toasters.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. After dark. Oh yeah. Flying yeah. toasters. The dog pulling the wires from your monitor.
6: So this one here has a bunch of characters in different colors, which really doesn't show you what the screensaver part of it is, but he did later put up...
0: Kind of looks um, like a multicolor matrix.
6: Yeah. He's got his GitHub projects, so if you want to see the source and actually how it works and stuff. Oh, here it is. It's a KVM screensaver, originally written in C Sharp OpenTK. So this is what the screensaver looks like in action, because he's actually got some of the animation working here. It's actually, it's kind of this running cursor that goes yeah, through all the, yeah. the text bits. I don't know if it's supposed to change the text underneath or exactly. Okay. Like I said, I'm not familiar with the screensaver. If any of you Linux people on the panel that are, please let me know.
0: Okay, that's cool. And so he's created like custom fonts on the Coco3 screen, so you've got different foreground and background characters that you we don't typically have. So that's kinda yep. cool. It almost looks like uh, like a, a ROM boot screen from the system. You know what I mean? It's like when yeah, you like the old arcade games. Yeah, the old yeah, arcade uh, games you Williams saw games a bunch stuff, of stuff yeah. on the screen when you first power cycled it. So
6: the font even reminds me of that now that you Yeah, it. yeah. That's
0: cool. It's very machine looking, you know.
6: <clears throat> and then he's he's another one of the people in the Coca community recently that's just starting to learn a semi language. So this is his first real semi language project as well. <laughs> and like Nick, he's gotten spoiled in the six or because as he mentions in his comments in the upper right here, he just found out that uh, the six or 9 doesn't do ink D or N. D because it's 639.
0: <laughs> Ken says it looks like defragging a hard drive, too. Yeah, it kind of does. does yeah. <laughs> the
6: old DOS one. Yeah. Yeah.
8: Right? Uh.
6: It's a pretty interesting project, so he's been doing his updates there on the Epic city's He's sharing the source code on GitHub. So anybody wants to see, you know, I
0: love, I love seeing people suggested. actually do things and making me feel like a bigger underachiever each each time I see a new project. Yeah, I mean, we try so. to do that on the panel, yeah. but that's only once a week. So this is a way to remind you during the weeks. So. Uh, nothing like having hundreds of people reminding me how unproductive I am. Don't <laughs> <laughs> no worry,
6: we'll, we'll we'll keep doing it. Okay, yeah. So we, we've got you back there too. All right. So. Next up, uh, this is a fellow Australian here, Nick. Uh, we featured Crikey. him bringing up Tandy, uh, Mr. Lurch's thing. So he'd, he'd gotten a cocoa at the time, and he's, he's a hardware tinkerer type person. So in the, this case, he got a Dragon 32. And unfortunately, the power supply and it's dead. So he decides he needs to obviously replace it so he can get the, co- the Dragon running. And he, he gives a couple at the beginning of the video, he gives a couple of options of different ways you can do it. But one thing he wanted to do that's a bit different, he, he had a problem with the original Dragon. The power supply is basically inside the machine and it's a beefier, hotter one than the Coco had. So it actually heats up the interior quite a bit. So he wanted something where he can make it external, have fuses and stuff on it, so it's not going to accidentally blow something up. So he actually goes through the whole process of building this um, and he has to modify the power circuit board inside the Dragon itself, which is what he's doing here, to modify it to get it to work with this new power supply he's doing. And uh, then he goes into the the details, and he's adding in all kinds of things and testing. And you know, this is all hardware stuff I don't understand, so I'll let Rick Euland and some of the other hardware wizards here explain all this stuff. But then he ends up building this external power supply, um, and uh, you know, makes it into a nice case, and he has fuses and stuff. you'll know, set aside. You know, he wants to make it accessible easily to you know replace a fuse uh, if there's any problems with it. So the end result is he basically gets it, and it uh, it booted up fine. So he went from having no power supply whatsoever to having an external power supply. So the heat's not inside the dragon, you know, cause the, possibly causing early wear of the chips inside from heat. And he's got it fully functioning now. And now he's, he's as he mentioned, at the end of the video, he's going to start looking at getting some, uh, you know, storage devices to hook up to it. I'm not sure if he's planning on using like a Moo board or if he's planning on trying to get a real floppy drive running or, or what. But I just wanted to give a good shout out to him because he was actually one of the people that got interested in the Coco and the Dragon during the Septandi event. Uh, And this is his first follow-up with the Dragon since he's finally got it up and running again. Anyway, your hardware types are really like all the the details of building the power supply stuff. Another Dragon one here. This is from Highwell Evans, on the Dragon group on Facebook. Now, I don't normally mention items that are for sale in the news, but it's not too often you see a Tano Dragon 64 come up for sale in the U.S. There's no overseas shipping or anything if you want this. And it's actually a fairly complete system, as you can see here. He's got the Dragon itself. He's got the cable. He's got the actual Dragon joysticks with it. He's got, uh, looks like a SCART adapter here and composite. And he's actually got some of the cassette games here on the original, you know, Dragon UK uh, labeling and, and, and cassettes here. So you're getting some of this artwork I keep hyping up, you know, as being superior to the stuff we usually saw in the States. And it's a pretty good collection of games, too. So uh, he just announced this. Uh, I think on Thursday evening, up for sale. So I'm sure it's still up for sale at this point. So anybody wants to get a dragon meant for the NTS- NTSC market, which is fairly rare, um, here's your opportunity. I have no idea what this is going to sell for, though.
0: I really love the artwork on the cassettes. It's just a whole different world um, from what we had. Like we had decent packaging on the Tandy cartridges and the stuff that Tandy first, you know, first party releases, but. Most of the third party was Xeroxed stuff in a baggie. You know, yeah. um, at e- most
6: you might get a 2 color label like Tom. Mix- yeah, Band,
0: but the Dragon really excelled in really great artwork and packaging. And the more that we see about these, just the more jealous I get on what we <laughs> yeah, did <laughs> me and I mean, it's the same game. I played the game a hundred times, but my god, that artwork is amazing. You know, um, and they
14: actually had posters too.
6: They sold posters. Yeah, a few yeah. those
14: going on eBay so, auctions too. So uh, yeah, and, but the
9: the cassettes were so nice because floppies did not exist.
0: Right, right, oh, right. There's right.
9: that, yeah.
0: but it's it. it, it was, so it adds a collectability to it. Like I want to collect these tapes, not because I care about what's on the tape. I want the packaging. I want the label. I want it. You know, it's it's the whole thing. It's really cool. Ooh, um, shiny! It a, yeah,
1: it was a British thing. I think it, uh, cassettes uh, were popular on the Commodore sixty fours and Vic 20s Ekrems and that's and that's the way they and... did it in in the UK. Mm-hmm. So that's why we got these on the Dragon, but.
0: Yeah, no, it's super cool. But I mean,
1: if you take a look here, like two of the games here are from Spectral—that's
6: Planet Invasion and Cosmic Zaps. So mm-hmm. these are the, the Dragon Ports, quote unquote, of them. But I, I've seen the original packaging—not well, not in Cosmic Zaps case, but for Planet Invasion, I've seen it. And like you said, it's just a—it's a Xerox sheet. It might be uncolored paper, and it's just text. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no graphics. It's
0: even got the vintage shag carpet there beneath it too. So you got that going. Oh, yeah.
6: <laughs> <laughs> the one I find interesting is the upper left one, the Cave Fighter, which is actually a pretty decent dragon game. Uh huh. Um, so, you can see that's not just a cassette, that's it's actual, a little bit of a box,
0: like a clamshell, like a jewel case, case almost yeah, yeah, with yeah.
6: the uh, cassette holder in it. So, yeah. and I don't remember seeing that for Coco Games up here at all.
0: Yeah, it's neat. And then you you run into variants where there's different versions of the same cover through the years when it went from MicroDeal to someone else or whatever the case may be. There's a Facebook group on there for MicroDeal that people are showing their pictures of their their different covers. And there could sometimes be like two or three different versions of the same game's cassette cover. So if you're into collecting in variants, that's a whole other rabbit hole go down. But it's just kind of cool to see and know that this world has existed all along, you know.
6: Yeah, I think some of those they did, like, originally their first ads would have been for the Dragon 32, then the Dragon 64 came out, and then, you know, Tandy and the UK started selling the Coco as well, so they'd update their packaging to mention that, you know, it's compatible with these various systems, but then they said, you know, well, we might as well redo all the artwork, too, at the same time, so a few of them actually did change the labeling, you know, completely when the, when the newer releases came out, even though the game itself underneath had not changed.
0: I think the closest we, we might have gone to artwork, it might have been in the ads, like the magazine ads. That might have had some Yeah, like fairly, Spectral and... Yeah, the did that might have had nice some cool artwork, stuff. and sometimes the game didn't always live up to the <laughs> artwork. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs>
6: <laughs> now, one other thing he's got with this one here is a thing called Music Master, which I'm not even familiar with. Uh, I don't know if anybody in the panels heard about what this is exactly, but... Uh, I it's a hardware piece, so I don't know if it's like a, a, a multi-voice synthesizer Okay, so, chip that looks,
0: that so it looks it like it's a cartridge, and then it's got what I'm assuming is like a clip-on microphone. And then oh, I don't, I don't know what that ribbon cable would go to.
11: Uh, it goes to the parallel port, I believe. Oh, Are you familiar with this one, Brian? No, but that looks like the parallel port on the Dragon. It oh, so, so the
0: Dragon, dragon has connector. like a pin-out uh, connection? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So it's like a analog capture
9: thing, possibly.
6: Yeah. Because the Dragon gotta, did have real parallel ports on both versions, and I think the Dragon sixty four had the real serial port as well. Cool. And you can see it's in really good shape too. Yeah,
0: super clean. Now, I, I missed part of this because I had to step out. Is this is this a U.S. one, or is this yes. a, this this is a Tano?
6: And it's in the U.S. for sale, so it's okay. no
7: overseas shipping or anything either. Okay. And that's kind of a rare thing because the only things I see, I, I keep seeing the same one pop up on eBay at Tano. And every time it's, like, a grand.
0: Uh, and I have I have a pair of these in the box, the Dragon controllers. These things are neat.
6: Have you actually tried them? Like, how do they play? Uh, yeah, the I,
0: I don't know that I actually played a game. I think I took them out and wiggled them around and stuff to see what they <laughs> felt like. I don't think I actually, like, played, played with them, but
11: uh, that's on my list. It, it's kind of weird because you're holding the stick like this and you're trying to press it. And on the, yeah, the so, and so it's like, it like yeah, you're, you're holding the, the stick, stick in
0: the air and you got your thumb beneath where your stick hand is. And it's a
6: whole
11: yeah. different... So Usually we're used yeah. to using our finger or something like that, or or pressing up higher. But yeah,
6: yeah So and this, and this is basically a two-handed joystick because you have to move the uh, the joystick with say your right hand, and then have your thumb on your left hand for the fire button, right. or vice versa, depending which hand you're. Yeah, yeah. I do notice the stick part is a lot shorter than the Black Beauty. Is that correct, or is it about the same size?
11: the The square is about the same size as a uh, um, as the Black Beauty. Then you get the then you got the part that you hold on to there. But uh, it's about like using a Black Beauty joystick.
6: Okay, so the part that you're holding on to is that as tall as the Black Beauty, or is it shorter? I can't tell from um, It's, it's right taller. Part. Here, hold on one second.
0: Um, Brian Weasler is going to okay, whip I'll it stop out. Stop
6: sharing, just so we can show Brian's. Uh, Brian's
0: going to whip food. out his dragon stick.
5: <laughs> Excuse <laughs> me, while I, I whip this out. Whip this out.
11: Spotlight. There you go. Let's see here. There you go. Okay, oh, that's, that's taller mm-hmm. than I thought. Then. Okay. Yep. And then let's see here. This would be. Uh, there we go. <laughs>
0: Comparing the – oh, yeah, it is. That's a Black Beauty, the Radio Shack joystick, and there's Actually a Dragon taller, Stick. Taller, yeah. okay.
6: yep.
9: If it had a trigger on the bottom, I'd really like that Dragon
6: Stick. Yeah. And it's free-floating, right? It's not self-centering or no option for self-centering?
11: No. Nope. Nope. It stays wherever you leave it. So, yep.
6: Okay. It's an interesting design, can... though, having that whole handle to hold on to as opposed to just you know laying it on your desk and hammering on it.
11: And you can see how easily these things come off. The ones that are on that picture that you're showing there, a lot of times these things are listed, and they don't have the little, <laughs> little black Now, tip does it there. have
0: screw threads, or is it just kind of like friction mounted on there?
11: Just kind of friction on there, yeah. It comes okay. off pretty easy. I, I mean, there is a little bit of a, a groove right here. I think it's supposed to snap on there. Okay.
0: But, it was uh, friction mounted. 40 yeah, years ago. Yeah, <laughs> It's it's kind of frictioned itself loose at this point, huh? That's no, so. frictionless.
12: Probably, yeah. You could probably three D print something like that pretty easily
11: too. Mm. Yeah, yep.
0: Yeah. yeah, my first Cocoa Fest, Matt Witt, who I met there, had bought like a box of these things, and it was like a, a dozen new ones in the box. It was like a box of these things, like that, when shipped to a warehouse. And so he gave me a pair that were all new in box, and so I still have them. I'm just, I got them stored away right now. So oh. that
6: is a scart on the left, isn't
0: Skart, it? Scart. Yeah, that's a scart. So that would be the uh the video out to scart. That's like, I guess that's a multi out, right? So that's got I guess like your audio and uh scart. You know, presume, or
12: something,
0: yeah. yeah. And then same thing here. So this would be your composite and I'm assuming they're just taking the single uh sound and just doubling it up to give you you know, the stereo impression because yeah. it's a mono thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh those are neat cables. I wouldn't mind having you know, dragon to SCART cable. That's really cool, right there.
6: Now, Brian, the the, the end of the uh, cable that would go into the dragon. What what connector would that be? For almost four, looks like four, a DIN plug or
11: something. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a lot like a DIN plug. That's on the back. It, it is.
0: That. It is yep. a DIN plug. From what I understand, it's the same. It's the same DIN connector that is on the C sixty four AV cable, but the pinout yes. is different. I but if the video and audio are swapped. Yeah, but if you get a uh, one that's designed for the Sega Genesis, then that pinout is correct. So if you were looking for a, a generic Dragon cable, you could order a Sega Genesis AV cable, and that should work.
6: Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't yeah, realize both? that. I, I, I was surprised to see the DIN. I thought it would, it would have been an RF or something like that. But
11: Yeah, both of these are regularly available on eBay as, as new products.
6: Okay. Good to know. Anyway, I don't know how long that'll last. So okay, okay. Next up, speaking of cables, Ken at Canadian Retro Things decided to put up a video to show how his video capture system works, and it's a fairly cheap one. It's not a super expensive one, and he's you know demonstrated. Well, actually, we saw the demo of Outhouse on it earlier during a Nick Morota segment. So uh, he, the video here demonstrates how it works, what cabling he's using, and he's using the Coco Three as a sample, though he does use it for various other retros here. So you can see he's got a couple different options. He's got his uh, splitter, which he uses for sound to get it on two channels. He's got the standard composite, and then he's got the just the two composite for like mono audio with video. Mm-hmm. And then he's got the inputs on his little uh, USB uh, capture adapter on the far left there. So it's a nice compact one. It'd be easy to like you know take to a yeah. fest or something. Yeah. And the quality from what I've seen on his videos is actually not too bad for composite. And if he has anything further to say, if he's in the chat, he can definitely pipe up. I'll just just add a little bit
0: to this because this is a road I've been traveling for years now. I I would, number one, like to know what device he has. Um, So the the challenge we have with Coco 2 and Coco 3 uh, composite out is the output is not necessarily completely standard. So if you get a modern um, digitizer device that's expecting true signals within spec, you might not even get a picture, or you might get a black and white picture, or an out of sync picture, or God knows what. So you need something that's got some tolerance to what I'll just say sloppy signals. And um, and so I have tried like modern, brand new modern AV tuners and you know uh, capture devices that just did not see anything. Um, so I've, I've had to try multiple devices to get ones to do it. Now, the Coco 3 does have a factory composite output, but again, it's, it's not quite standard. It's not quite up to what the spec should be. It works fine on TVs and things like that because they're not that, you know, demanding, but on modern technology, trying to interpret that signal, your mileage will vary. Um, And if you have a composite mod on a Coco 2, which wasn't natively composite, who knows what that is going to be outputting as well. Because the composite mods always work on TVs and monitors, but they're not always up to spec for um, capture devices. So... Uh, okay, so Ken is saying there's a link to it in the video itself. So it looks like um, uh, YouTube Buddy, um, Amazon. Okay, so there's an Amazon link to his capture card there. Okay, so that's good Just enough. Just for the
6: purposes of having it on, on this recorded stream here, Ken, what's the name of the – I don't want to click on the Amazon link here. so Okay. I'm going to post that.
2: Um
0: yeah, uh, that's good to know. Yeah, you do need a handful of adapters and sometimes splitters and accoutrements to uh, to do things.
6: Yeah, and here's a sample. like He's capturing it into uh, OBS on on his uh, Mac Mini. So yeah, okay, cool. And that's basically what these, the quality. Not qualities. bad. Now, mm-hmm. how does this compare to the quality you were getting when you were trying to do this kind of thing with the stuff?
0: Well, again, because because this is Cocoa Three, that that's as good as you're going to get. So this is this is pretty much a pristine capture of the subpar image (laughs) because you can see here (laughs) the text is not that crisp you know what i mean it's kind of washed out right so the actual capture quality is 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 pristine but now you're seeing exactly how poor the source of, of the Cocoa 3 output is. It's not that great for text, but it's great for games. So if you're playing a Coco 1 and 2 game with artifact mode, it you won't notice or complain anything. But when you're trying to read the text, this is actually high-quality capture of the Coco 3 composite out. It's, it almost looks like it's upscaling it and adding some fairy dust to it because it's usually pretty crappy. <laughs>
7: And just as a side note, when I was using a a very cheap, inexpensive uh, USB composite capture, I had issues where the picture would go crazy. And uh, it was Tom C. who suggested, you know, put a small capacitor in line and that helped. But, you know, it still still was a challenge.
0: Yeah. And that's just yeah. how Tandy chose to create their circuit. It's just a it, it it's a, it was a good it's enough a circuit off from the standard. Yeah, it's, yeah. It was good enough to show up on TVs and monitors, but it's not quite within the standard that mo- that most modern devices won't particularly like. Um, but good job, Ken. And thanks for sharing that for sure, because this question comes up. It's uh, the company is called August, and it's uh, Victor Gamma Bravo three hundred.
6: Yeah, he mentioned it was quite cheap too, like like around fifty bucks or something. Okay, like that,
0: so. very cool.
6: Uh, before I get on to the next, the last uh, official story here, I'll just mention because uh, I have it in my notes here. Um, quick update on ease of use beta six oh one. We are expecting to have it out by the end of next weekend, maybe a little bit earlier, depending. Um, this is mostly bug fixes that have been reported by users over the month. So thanks to everybody that's been reporting stuff: Robert Galt, Rob Inman, um, Joanne Donaldson, and a few others. So we've been trying to fix you know little things. Uh, we'll be adding um, an alternate boot for for Drivewire as well with the RS 232 pack as your driver as opposed to the Bitbanger. So that'll be in there as well. And then we're going to try to sneak a couple other little things into, which I won't announce now. Because, like Nick Morenti's, I'm not sure if they'll make it there. <laughs> That's why I don't want to promise some vaporware. But uh, look, look for that coming out by next Sunday at the latest.
0: Uh, were you done? Because I stopped your share. I wasn't sure if there was anything else we needed to see. I got one more. Oh, you one do? More. Okay, go ahead and share again. Sorry.
6: So the last one here is a a YouTuber I've not heard of before called H. Jelfi, and he posted a couple of videos here about fixing his CGP-115 printer, which is the little color pen plotter printer that Tandy used to sell. And it was actually, you know, specifically made somewhat for the cocoa because it came out, you know, in the cocoa one and two days and actually had, you know, drivers for doing screen dumps and all kinds of things. And in his case here, he'd, he'd fixed a few things on it before, and he still couldn't quite get working because some bearings were gone, so it wouldn't move the head, you know, the pen, the little cartridge thing back and forth that uh, actually you, you know, manipulates the pens themselves, so he actually goes through. He got a second one that was in pretty bad shape, but the bearings were good, so he goes through and replaces them all you know, he does some resoldering and stuff too to fix it all up. And then his second video, he actually runs it. Now, a lot of you probably have not seen our fully functioning CGP 115 before. So I thought I'd just play. Mm. He plays at two speeds. He plays at regular speed and plays at double speed. I'll just play the first regular speed. Okay. So kind this of is with this the work. four
0: color pens? Yes. I had yeah. one of these for about a week. And then I was like, eh. yeah. <laughs> if you see right now, before
6: I start the video here on the lower left part the, of the, the microphone, itself, you can see that. Sorry?
0: Is that where like the little lapel mic is that he has there or?
6: No, right on the printer itself, I'm talking. You can see the little white cartridge that holds the four pens. Oh, I see and what you're that, saying. Yes, that okay. That little bar going across it, it and yeah. travels on. So, gotcha. This will also, I, I don't know how loud this will be, but it'll remind you how loud this thing was. We'll turn
0: it up to 11. Hard. We want to experience this in full.
6: Oh, figure, go home.
0: Come on, yeah. Let's waste that paper. Oh, he's putting the, oh, we're loading pens. <laughs> it's like a freaking uh, revolver, man. I don't remember that. It's like a revolver. It's like, holy crap, it's a six-shooter
1: here. It's a four-shooter. Four shooter. A four shooter like anyway, a
12: little bit, don't they? Yeah. yeah. I'm your huckleberry.
1: Bet you this is the guy who's been stealing the toilet paper.
10: And <laughs> <laughs> man, it pulls
9: the point, takes it
8: off.
0: Wow.
6: And you notice it feeds bi-directional because it's actually drawing with a pen as opposed to it.
0: It's actually pulling the paper back and going back. That's actually impressive. Pretty really. sweet. jams. <laughs> like that? Yeah. Because
6: yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>, it's all torn up.
0: This is actually less annoying than a dot matrix, I think. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I think he's hitting
8: the yeah, yeah, overload. It. You want me to drop the volume.
0: No, no. no, this no is good. We, all, we all need okay. to suffer to, together on this one. So.
9: It would be louder, but it can't.
0: Yeah. For those I'll listening later comedy. on to the podcast version of the show, we really want them to enjoy yeah, this. This is going to be riveting. Yeah.
6: Yeah.
7: This is what you've been waiting for.
0: That's okay. right this is actually morse code there is a secret message in here so uh the wizard Noval of 100
6: the wizard of id I think.
0: or id okay spelled,
6: spelled differently
0: idd or okay
6: the little radio shack logo in the lower right too that That's is good. honestly the the graphical
0: quality of this thing is really good
6: yeah it was, it was it was funny because it draws lines by moving the paper moving the pen back and forth it's like an etch sketch. Where you you have to draw straight lines, which means if you're trying to do a complicated screen dump, it really didn't do that well because the colors wouldn't quite match up and line up properly. But if you're doing vector based artwork, which is drawing of lines and curves like he did on this demo here, you could draw some really precise stuff with this. I remember Dwayne Downing him and his brother used to use it for doing electronic schematics. They would draw all the little you know, graphical images of capacitors and all that kind of stuff very very well. There was a couple of programs I remember Rainbow and stuff published for doing that specifically for this printer.
0: Yeah, this is this looks a lot cleaner than like what you would get on a raster output from a from a dot matrix printer. For oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, this is like It's, it's r-
6: kind of like doing a vectrix. Yeah, it's kind of like
0: work. vector versus yeah. Uh, raster.
6: Yeah. yeah, on paper. R- r-
12: Radio Shack sold a, a plotter printer too that used a, yeah a
6: big flatbed one
12: yeah a flatbed with um like magic markers instead of pens yeah
6: because it would go away off to the side to pick up the next marker then come back out and have yeah the two marks.
12: <laughs> it would go back to <laughs> the pens and and grab other pens and, yeah, and it was a it was six cool. color
6: too wasn't it or was it still a four I can't remember I,
12: I think I'm thinking four in my head but it may have been six that's I'm really sure. cool.
0: Yeah, I remember I had this for a very brief period of time. I didn't know anything about plotting with it. I just remember trying to print text on it, and I just got really bored real quickly, and it cost so damn much money I returned it so I could apply that money to something else. So while I was still within my return window, I brought it back pretty quickly.
6: <laughs> I remember Dwayne. He used to be our, our newsletter editor for our Cocoa Club, and um, before he got a full-size printer, he had one of these. And he would actually do 40 columns because you could print 80 or 40 columns on this, even though this is half the width or less than half the width of regular paper. And he would just basically tape two columns of it side by side and then Ah, zero that to create the page. We have these dual column newsletters. Say, that
9: logo looks very similar to a Tektronix logo. Huh. Used, if you watch the other wizard, video, he
6: does have a Tektronix printing of this, so that is a modified Tektronix logo.
9: Right, because they used to take this wizard itself <clears throat> yeah. and put it right on their circuit
6: boards.
0: Okay, that's cool.
6: Um, yeah, it is a Tektronix wizard, though, because actually he has this same image that he shows when okay, he's comparing right. the printer
12: yeah. with the Tektronix logo. that, that lots was of times on circuit boards. I found a picture of that plotter printer. You're right, it was uh, six pens. Hmm. Six colors. I like that
0: he's got this like on a drafting cool. table too. There too, so the plotter is on a <laughs> on, on an old draftsman type table there on that uh, mat the, underneath it.
6: If I remember correctly, either Tandy themselves uh, might have included it, or they might have just had a, a listing of it. But they actually had that little isometric, you know, like you did in drafting where you draw the three views—the front, the side, the back—of a something, and then the three D version of it. You know, some weird block thing. Like you do industrial arts or something, but uh, they had a program that actually did that, and that was one of the demos they used on here. Was to print one of those out, so you can actually see this as a, you know, your orthogonal versus your isometric version view of the same object. Okay. Also an extend basic manual too, if I remember.
0: Very very cool.
6: And as Ken, Ken can make it, and uh, Canadian Retro Things both mentioned, it's not a TP ten because it that makes you know a lot less noise than this one. That is true. The TP ten is a thermal printer, so it's much much quieter same size of rolls, but it also had required thermal paper, which was a bit more expensive. And that must have
0: been, that would have had to have been like raster graphics then, too. It couldn't really do vector type stuff.
6: I think so, yeah. If I remember correctly, it's basically, it's you know, block graphics dot matrix style printing. Hmm. All right, thermal well.
9: paper It races itself. And
6: yeah, just don't leave them on your desk in front of a sunlit window. That was one big problem with DP 10
9: Or tape over it with the scotch tape.
6: To prevent the heat from The
9: ink erases the print somehow. I had to recreate alternate lines in some basic programs because I had taped the listings
0: into a notebook with scotch tape. Bruce Moore is asking if this is a two-ply roll.
6: (laughs) (laughs) It's toilet paper theme today. I
0: don't know what it is. It's two-ply sized. We couldn't couldn't have planned this better if we actually planned it. (laughs) I have a, have
10: a, a video of my CGP one fifteen doing the um, printing on my uh, Ron's garage. If you want to see a different, vi-
6: what, version what were of the you printing thing. on yours? Were you just printing like text on yours, or did you? <clears throat> or?
10: I, I had Telerator eighty up, and I printed uh, a file.
6: Okay, so you're red. printing the actual text because the, the built-in yeah. font in here, because it's drawn and not dots, actually is pretty pretty easy on the eyes. Now it's not you can't make like a thick font. Per se, it's you know, it's, it's vector. It's like you know, drawing in a Vectrix. Yeah, it's
0: very draftsman, very like you know.
6: If you're considering how small the paper was here, eighty columns on this was actually surprisingly very readable.
10: Hmm. Yeah, it's it's a plotter. It's considered yeah, a plotter.
9: Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's real ink, so it lives forever. Cool.
15: Okay, so
6: that's the last of the uh, video news. So. <clears throat> The last part of the news here, I'll just uh, read out a little thing we I kind of prepared. And this is ending the news on a, a bit more of a disappointing note. So uh, Chet Simpson, the author of Digger 3 and many you know Coco Classic games, he filed a formal copyright claim on YouTube against uh, Coco Talk for showing some of his videos in the past few weeks. And those were on my news segments. Um, I'm a bit confused as to why he did that, because he they're, they're public videos. I, I try not to play the whole video. I do want people to go to his his page to actually look at his videos. Um, so we play little snippets. Now there was one exception here this last time because one of the videos was only like 35 seconds long. So I did play the whole thing of that. But um, the crux of it is, is that basically because of the copyright strike against us for that, it uh, can eventually, like if, if this happened multiple times, this would eventually take the channel like right off. It would be you know copy stricken from YouTube type thing and, and suspend streaming and all kinds of things. So in order to avoid that, because we don't want you guys to miss our show and to miss everything else that we're telling you about on the news and all of our various other segments here, uh, we will be abiding by Chet's wishes and not putting any stuff from his channel that is you know, his copyright, and this is his right. Uh, we won't be putting him on, onto the channel anymore because we, we don't want the rest of the show to go down because of it. So it's a, it's a little sad that's happened, but we'll respect his wishes and, and not show his videos anymore
0: how about we take a commercial break then we'll be back maybe have a little bit more discussion about things and then we'll get into project updates and acquisitions and let's see what we need when it comes to commercials we have so many commercials right now to go through we will uh, you know what Ease of use. How about that? A little bit of ease of use, and then we'll be back with more Cocoa Talk after
3: these words. And now this message.
6: Hi, it's Chris Boyle, part of the uh, Cocoa Talk
5: crew of people.
11: Hey, everybody! This is Bill Noble, co-author of Nitrous Nine. You are listening to Cocoa Talk Live, the leading live Cocoa Talk show.
4: Good day, mates. This is Nick Marionettes, author of such color computer titles as Donut Disaster, Rupert Rhymes, and Rockstar Pilot. And I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system, OS9. OS9 and its current incarnation, Nitrous 9, is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Is of use. I find OS 9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual, and yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. Using OS 9, I expect my next game, Funstar, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS 9 forever. Any resemblance to actual events, to persons living or dead, is purely coincidental. Hi, this is Max Jackson, live from
12: Cocoa Fest, you listen to this. The Real Game, Steve Strong.
2: We're traveling through a dimension both of sound and ideas. We're at a place where the mind can comprehend and
8: devise a solar radio, a wireless transmitter. Measure time and light. Sixty-five electronic projects brought to reality with this science fair kit.
3: Astonishing, perhaps... But you can find it for Christmas for $17.95 in a place that's known as Radio Shack. Radio, stereos, recorders, everything in sound.
2: Today at lcurtisboyle.com.
7: Hi, this is Sean Wheatley, and you're listening to Coco Talk
3: with the original gamer Stevie Strick.
0: And we are back. Ooh. So, um, yeah, I don't like to uh although <laughs> there have been claims to the contrary that we like to dwell on negativity and start wars and stuff like that. That is not what that's not who I'm about. And that's not what this show has ever been about. So I want to just follow up with, with something that Curtis mentioned. So um one of the things that, Um, we try to do on this show, especially when it comes to uh, news and providing the news, is to do so with the highest level of journalistic integrity, where we do not put any personal bias. We don't censor things. We don't leave things out. Um, Anything that's going on in the world of the cocoa, we try to cover news from all over the place as uh, basically as just a public service. So this is going to be the first time where we are going to have to censor Um, something or withhold information from the news. And this is the first time in the four-year history that we're doing it. And um, and we're doing it because basically somebody has made a decision to um, file this copyright claim against my channel. And whether or not it was against the show or a person on the show, it is actually literally affecting me because this is a copyright strike on my YouTube channel that I have spent the past five years building and um, providing hopefully quality content for the entertainment of people. And I'm now in YouTube jail. I can't stream on my channel. Because of this strike, um, and the strike was just issued, and there was it wasn't like an an email was sent saying, "Hey, I don't want my stuff on your show. Could you take it down?" There was no um, decorum. There was no professional courtesy. It was just like, "No, screw you. I'm pressing the button. I'm reporting you," and um, and the YouTube platform as I am discovering, is completely creator unfriendly because I've had my channel for five years. I've got 3,000 subscribers. We are doing hours a week. We've got 40,000 hours a month of Cocoa Talk that we're providing, and I am now in a situation where I am guilty until proven innocent. So uh, as much as I don't approve of the way this was done by the, the individual who did it, I'm even more disappointed in YouTube's stance at being completely creator unfriendly and giving me no way to... Um, contest uh, uh, this situation. So um, I am now in a three-month lockdown from streaming on my own channel because of this one claim. So it is affecting me personally at this point. uh, So it's affecting my YouTube channel personally. So that's the reason why we have um, switched channels is because I literally am not capable of streaming. Now, this other channel I've had for a long time and I Actually switched from the I'm a Coconut channel back to the OG Ch- Stro channel again because YouTube keeps changing the playing field. And um, my original channel was what's known as a YouTube Partner, which means I'm eligible for monetizations, which means I could theoretically make money. But I don't get enough views to make money, anyways. But if I didn't move Coco Talk back to that channel, I would have not had the volume of hours per month to even remain a partner. Um, to have the opportunity to make money. And I didn't want to have that opportunity taken away from me. So we moved Coco Talk back to the OG channel to keep that channel as a YouTube partner. And now because I can't stream, because I'm in jail for three months, I have moved it back. Now, the the problem I have, though, is really, is is a bigger issue, is I have a problem with YouTube by not giving a creator a chance to defend uh, a claim against them. Uh, our chance, you know, things like that. So that's a whole bigger issue. And so for, for the main thing I want people to take away from this is I want you guys to know, um, consider Twitch, the new Twitch channel. And I created a Twitch channel just for this show. So you don't have to watch me playing Minecraft and a bunch of crap like that. It's just going to be Coco talk. So there's a Twitch channel for this and Twitch is live. The most important thing I want everybody to know is is um we we 're doing this show for our audience we 're doing this show for the community, so I want to make sure the show is accessible at all times and and we still have like roughly fifty people watching us, even though we 've changed channels so that 's a testament. To our audience, and I want to thank you guys for doing that. And I want everybody to know that the most important thing about this show is we want to be for the community. We want to be for the audience, so we need to make sure the show is is accessible as possible. However, there may come a day where I might just say, screw you YouTube, I am not using you anymore. I'm not going to do that quickly or harshly. We'll communicate it. But um, I am considering just abandoning that platform in the future. Because of just some kind of principle issues that the creator, I don't have any control over my own content. I don't even have a say. I don't have a chance to dispute things. And they've taken my video away from me. So I have lost content. If I was not in the process of backing up my videos and having videos, I would have lost that four hour show because somebody says, you know, somebody's crying wolf. So uh, there's some fundamental things I don't agree with YouTube. For better or for worse, it's convenient for people to watch us live. It's a great way to be found on the internet however i'm not saying i will but i am exploring options i'm exploring an option to um not not be dependent on youtube for the storage of my shows because at the end of the day i want to have creative control i don't want to have my content taken away from me and i want to be able to have um be uh have some like first amendment rights where i'm not going to you know we're not we're not going to cry copyright on things that aren't copyright and there's just a lot of shenanigans that youtube pulls like when we run our song parodies we're getting copyright strikes on comp, uh, there's there's a copyright claim and a copyright and a copyright strike right so a claim basically says your this video is not eligible for making money because you're using somebody else's music but that doesn't affect your channel so we get copyright claims almost on a weekly basis for a sound bite in the video and I don't always agree with that but I'm not going to even fight that battle I now have a copyright strike that has already put me in jeopardy and is already punishing me from using my channel and I have a fundamental issue with that. And so I will be looking for ways to make sure that my content is secure and um, is uncensored and is um, and is um, not able to be taken away from me. Twitch is a streaming service. It's called twitch.tv. There's a link to all of this in there if you read the description. So ju- just know that sometime in the future... Um, we, we, I might leave YouTube. I'm not saying I will. I'm not throwing a temper tantrum. I'm not rage quitting. I'm just trying to protect my content and protect my what I feel is my freedom as a creator. So I'll be looking for, for alternatives to that. Um, so uh, Twitch is going to be the best way to live stream because Twitch does not really censor their live streams or worry about copyright stuff on the live streams. We are always available as a podcast. You can get us on audio and video podcasts. And that is one of the ways I'm thinking about um, doing for permanent storage for archiving episodes and how-to videos and gameplay videos is making them available as um, video podcasts, which can be viewed on iTunes. They can be viewed in a browser just like YouTube. You can go to a web page, click a link, watch the video, and you can even get an app for your mobile device to watch the videos on a mobile device. So I'll be exploring those things, and um, we'll just – Well, just whatever. So that's all I'm going to say about that. But yeah, I I don't like having uh, ownership of my own material taken away from me. I don't like being punished for uh, what's not necessarily an, an actual crime. And those are some of the kind of fundamental issues I have that I will be looking to address. So... I want everybody to realize that if you want to watch us live right now, the, we're always live on Facebook. So it's facebook.com slash Talk Live. We're live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash talk. We're live right now on a different YouTube channel that nobody's cried copyright on, and that is youtube.com slash I'm a coconut. But who knows? That, that could, somebody could raise a flag there, and I have no way to defend myself against that, too. So... Um, the the ability for me to keep this second YouTube channel is out of my hands, unfortunately, too. So um, that's all we'll say about that. But please know, and last but not least, the website, right? Cocotalk.live and our Discord server. So if you need to know what's going on, if you need to ask a question, if you want to find out what changes, just just look in the Cocoa Talk lobby on Discord. We'll let you guys know. I mentioned in Discord this week that the channels are changing. I mentioned in Discord this week that we've even changed the Zoom link, right? So are you going to ask a question there, Rondell, though? I see a finger yeah, moving. I just, I just have one little question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've recorded all this content for all these years and stuff where is that content the content uh, lives in youtube no 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 because i don't always keep them i have not been keeping them because they've been stored in youtube forever but now that is in potential jeopardy so that's a whole other project i have to do is i have to try to re-download all my content just in case youtube decides to pull the carpet from underneath me so i have not so been storing every single recording i've ever made but you're going to change that from now on, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. So right now I'm in the process of downloading my YouTube channel, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of five terabytes. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of video out there. So, yeah. Uh, and there's
12: a lot of and a lot of that's lower quality too than what you originally uploaded because YouTube um, does a lot of compression and stuff. Uh, so so yeah. are,
10: are you going to get extra hard drives? You no, know, from mm. the patrons.
0: No, uh, no, 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 no. That's I just a couple hard drives for me is not that big of a deal. So, um, But now that we're done with that, we're off the soapbox. It's time to get to project updates and acquisitions. This is where everybody talks about what they've been working on or what they picked up and what not and what have you. This is where the feel good sharing and caring part of the show comes in. And we do have a, how about we switch to our special guest who's just joined us. Ben VR Drakes has joined us. And uh, for those who don't know, Ben, he's our guy who does virtual reality stuff on Dragon and Coco games and all that kind of stuff. Hey, Ben, welcome to the program.
15: Hi, guys. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Excellent. It's great to be back with you. I, I'm usually in the chat every week talking, but I don't often appear on the panel. So I have a special reason for uh, joining in today, uh, which should I just go straight into? Or should I talk about uh updates first? Yeah, go ahead. First no, go because ahead. I,
0: all of the above must...
15: all of the above you have the floor sir <laughs> thank you okay so I'm I'm sorry I didn't take part in the game on challenge I've been uh, quite busy as you may know Virtuix is getting ready to uh, release an updated version of my VR treadmill for consumers uh, called Omni 1 uh, it has a few new features being able to crouch and kneel and jump and have your hands down by your sides um, can you still see me I'm seeing some sticky notes appear on the screen. Don't worry
0: about that. Yeah, sorry. That's me doing something. (laughs) That's me doing something.
15: Don't worry about it. Uh, So I've been, and we're we're running a uh, sort of fundraising campaign and investment at the same time. So if you completed your paperwork last night, you could get 40% off as well as getting uh, shares in the company. So I've been really busy just dealing with social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, et cetera, for uh, the last few days. So I, I couldn't take part. Um, So what you may notice in the background here is that the the arms are missing from my Omni. And that's because I've just completed recently uh, a modification to my Omni, which allows me to demonstrate uh, the features that the Omni one will have. I can now uh, kneel down in the game and have my hands down by my side. And I posted a video playing Cyberpunk 2077. But I do plan on playing some more Coco and, and Dragon games as well. Uh, with it, so uh, so that's that's my project update. And uh, as to acquisitions, um, you may remember I, I announced back in November that uh, sadly, um, Richard Wadman, one of the designers of the Dragon Thirty Two, uh, passed away from COVID, which he, he contracted in in hospital, uh, tragically. And um, today it was it was quite emotional for me. I was helping. Next door, he was was my next-door neighbor, coincidentally, uh, just helping them to sort through some of his uh, his belongings. Uh, So I now have some of his furniture, in fact, in in my room, and also some of his uh, CDs and uh, flash drives and uh, some handwritten notes. So uh, hopefully I will be able to uh, archive anything related to Dragon Data that uh, maybe amongst these belongings for you know preserving his work there. Um, so yes, uh, and it was it was quite sad because one of the boxes here I can show you is just full of uh, jewel cases. Let's bring that in front of the camera for you to see. Did he have anything, Coco? Well, I haven't gone through all these these boxes yet. Um, I believe there were some dragons in in the loft, but uh, they weren't taken down when I was there, so I'm not quite sure what happened to those. Uh, One of my conversations with him, I was led to believe that he may have had some some old prototype versions of the dragon and maybe some unusual motherboards in there, so hopefully um, those will turn up at some point. Um, But yes, I was was just going to say that uh, I, I can remember my first ever conversation with him, which was about... Uh, ten, ten years ago, when I first moved in here, uh, he came over to me and said hello and said, if I ever needed any jewel cases, <laughs> you know, c- CD cases, he had ah. loads of them. Ah. And he wasn't lying. Here they are, a whole, whole bunch of... I'm not sure if there are any CDs in, in this particular box or if they're just jewel cases, but that's that's one thing. And here I have a bunch of CDs and some flash drives. So uh, I have to go through those.
0: You never know what you're going to find on any of those, too. That's a, whole, that's a project right there, going no, through
15: all that well, stuff.
5: Yeah.
15: He, um, he did tell me that he used to work for uh, the CIA at one point, so I have to be careful which computer I, I plug this into. I'm pretty <laughs> concerned I might accidentally load some advanced mal- malware, which just fries, fries my computer, so I have to be careful there. Um, by the way uh, I told uh, his widow Jackie um that I was involved in the in the Dragon Coco community and that we have this podcast every every Saturday and she expressed an interest in seeing it if I, if I happen to show any of his, oh, his okay. things Absolutely. so perhaps uh, the the panels could um just say a quick hi to to Jackie Hi Jackie, okay, hello. Hi, Jackie. hi Jackie
6: Hi Jackie Sorry for your loss
15: Yes you. we are so, um, yeah, I got a few other things. Uh, in fact, I got a, a table lamp. <laughs> this, which has a, a real-time clock in it. Oh, how, so how do you like date.
0: that? I like that. And I think it's got that's, a little... The uh,
15: 9 users are so jealous. Sorry, go it's got a, a CR2032 battery underneath. And when, when I plugged it in, uh, it came on, and it came on with a, a little uh, song, "Old um, Lang Syne, because it, it defaulted to the... the First of the, the first of the year, so, so that was that was quite nice. And uh, let's see, I got um, some cabinets of his and an old surge surge protector. Wow. Battery pack. That's very heavy. And there's another box of CDs over there. But the the most uh, exciting thing, I believe, is his handwritten notes because. Uh, they 're not dated, and i don 't know what project he was he was researching but uh, he worked in I, I struggle with this word but statistics that that was statistics. what he, he moved he yes. moved on to after dragon data well that's that 's not quite true he also um, i think he worked briefly for a company that was making touch screens like uh, very early tablets, and they were telling me that um his his work on on tablet technology uh, filtered down into i believe all all the modern touchscreen displays that we have today so that's something i want to i want to look into a bit more and uh, i have some pictures i didn't take everything that they they showed me they showed me some old uh, dragon data uh, t-shirts no neat so I'll, I'll grab my phone and uh hopefully i can just hold it up to the screen <laughs> and show you some of the things that I didn't, I didn't bring back with me they had one of those i don't know if you've seen i them. know
0: you're on lock code now so you have to change I that. I, I know your unlock code now. You're gonna have to change that. <laughs> oh, no. you didn't see that did you? The whole That's world
7: is The same combination that, yeah. I have
1: on my luggage. Yeah,
15: <laughs> 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 yeah I let one of my ex girlfriends see my unlock code as well. That was a bad idea. <laughs>
5: I'm, just,
15: I'm just kidding. There, there was nothing. There was nothing there. So, um, so one thing is a a recent photograph of, of Richard because you may have seen a video of him at the factory in. Uh, in, in Swansea, when he was uh, back in, I think, Right, yeah, we he played a that a man. few weeks ago, yeah. So, uh, let's see if I can just hold this up to the. Can you Can you see that? C- code d-
0: down oh, and up. Oh, oh. Yeah, the light's messing with it. Okay, the, there you the go. A little bit better. A little messing. bit better. I can, but...
15: I can turn the light down, I think. Hopefully, when I okay. can. Help
0: them Is that any better? A uh, little bit. Not,
15: not too good. Not too good. Not, not great. Sorry about that. That's okay. Yeah. But I'll post it in, yeah, the, in post the Dragon Yeah, if you post them in the Houston Dragon group, we'll show it next week. There we go. Yeah, and come back yeah, if you can. I will do. And they um, they showed me uh, one of those little promotional, um, it's a little fluffy red dragon with the googly eyes. Have you seen those before?
0: Uh-uh. They no. had
15: one of those. But uh, yes, they also had a, a, a news clipping of him meeting the uh, chinese ambassador who wow. was over from china to look at the look at the factories because he wanted to see those wow that, that was that was nice that's impressive but, um, yes he has these handwritten notes and i'm not sure what he was he was researching but they seem to be uh medical journals or, or re- research topics uh, because he's underlined uh various various names of people that seem to be working on uh, on various conditions So just picking out a page here, it's got uh, Models of Madness, which is an interesting topic. (laughs) And uh, he has uh, medical, and it says, uh, I won't won't hold these up to the screen because you you probably can't see them anyway, but uh, bacterial slash viral, encephalitis, syphilis, uh, injury, traumatic brain. Oh, that's that's
0: describing all the ailments the panel has. Cancer slash tumors,
15: cerebral thrombosis. So lots of medical stuff, and I'm, I'm really not sure... Uh, what he was he was working on but there are also some uh, some formulae here i will try holding one of these up to the the camera see if you can make that out mm, at all
0: not too clear oh. not too clear even if it was i wouldn't understand it anyways but yeah
15: um <laughs> i think that's the uh, recipe for the colonel's secret herbs and spices <laughs> so it's uh quite a few pages i'll, I'll show you the stack anyway that, that i've got here so these are um I try not to, to lose the order as well because they, they would like to have these back because they're quite precious, you know, handwritten, no, absolutely. handwritten notes. So that's, that's wow. one stack. And then there's wow. uh, this, this folder also wow. is, full of, is full of handwritten notes. And I, I haven't read through them yet, so I, I don't know. But I would like to preserve uh, what, whatever he was, he was working on whilst at the same time, Man. obviously respecting, you know, the privacy uh, of the family. So, um,
10: Now, what was his position in the um, Dragon?
15: Yeah, so I have his uh, business card, and I have some pictures of his, uh, his other business cards from the companies that he worked for. And, and technically, he is down here as commercial director. But from my conversations with him, he, he told me that he, he worked on the hardware. And I think he, he um, wrote some of the software that came with the Dragon, maybe the, uh, um, the basic compiler, possibly. My, my memory is not, is not too good, so uh, please don't quote me on that. Uh, but uh, he told me a few stories, like how he he won an award one time. I think it was a maths or, or science award, and he met Albert Einstein. And it was it was something to do with a, a little plate of chocolates. I think they give that to maybe the, the recipients. And apparently Einstein had, had eaten some of the chocolates already.
0: So. <laughs> That's <laughs> a story right there. Again,
15: don't, don't don't quote me. Unfortunately, yes. So I was yeah. perhaps one of the most interested people that he could have been talking to, because uh, I happen to be a huge fan of the dragon. It was yeah. a total coincidence that uh, i was his, his next door neighbor and in fact i was working on a dragon game from his manual which came with the dragon uh um, and then i noticed that his his name was very similar to my was, was the same as my next door neighbor's name so i just uh, asked him over the garden fence while i was hanging out my wash washing i you the same richard wadman who wrote the manual that came with the dragon and he told me that that he was so it was just a very strange uh <laughs> strange coincidence so, but at the same time, I just have this quite a, quite a poor memory. So I did ask him on a couple of occasions if, if he would uh, join uh, the panel for an interview. I thought it would be wonderful because he was a very intelligent man, extremely well-spoken, but uh, also quite a private uh, man, not, uh, not keen on, on making public appearances, I think, even though he, he was very well-traveled. He'd been to uh, South Africa, and I think he visited uh, China as well. And Spain, he met the, met the king of Spain, he told me one time. I think that, that had something to do with the sale of uh, uh, or sale of the rights of, to to make the dragon to to Spain. Wow! Which some some on the panel may may know, may know more about than I do. Eurohard uh, or something like that was it? Yes, I think I think that was it.
10: Where do you live?
15: Oh well, I'm in in West Wales, so okay. um, it's a small country. So I guess the probability wasn't that <laughs> that remote that we'd happen to be living right next to each other. But we we had quite a few things in in common, you know, an interest in in computers and uh, you know hardware and, and software. And he was a big movie buff, I could tell, because his office was lined with uh, lots of movies, just uh, row after row of DVDs, and including some Studio Ghibli films. So he must have been an anime fan as well. Mm. And uh, yes, uh, I only met him a few a few times, unfortunately. But I, I felt like we were kindred spirits. We had a had a few things in common there. And uh, I told his family that, uh, because they, they didn't know this, uh, some, some of you may have heard that uh, the Dragon 32 is featured a little bit in the sequel to the Ready Player One book, Ready mm-hmm. Player Two. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So hopefully, uh, maybe that, that'll get included in the film adaptation as well. So uh, it's, sadly, he, he, he passed away just a, a week before uh, the book was published, so he, he didn't learn about that, I'm afraid. Mm. So I'm going to be very busy uh, scanning these these documents, and uh, if I think anything here is uh, is related to uh, his time with with Dragon Data, I'll be sure to share that with uh, with the Facebook page. And
0: uh, yeah, yeah, and the World of Dragon Archive. You want to make sure that they get yes. all the high quality scans and everything. And I don't know if you want to go ahead and also put some on the Color Computer Archive. I'm sure they would appreciate having that stuff there too. Um yeah you know it kind of makes you wonder like you know it, it's so ironic and so fortunate that you became a neighbor but all of us in our lives even if we're not as uh, you know you know we didn't accomplish as much uh, but whatever we 've done what what is our legacy going to be, and how are we going to or are we going to be remembered when we 're gone i mean that 's i don 't know how many people think about that, but you know just think about like especially all of us with our collections, you know I think we maybe have talked about this or mentioned some articles about this, but when you 've got these collections of old stuff. Does has anybody written a living will for their retro stuff? Like, you know, when I die, who's gonna get my cocos and where's all my software projects and things like that? I don't know that people think about that. And it's very very fortunate that you were there and you're taking some responsibility to try to preserve some of this and, and keep that legacy going. But that's I think that's a challenge that all of us are facing as we get older, is how do we preserve our all, all of our individual legacies, even if we're not, you know, the uh, head of a corporation or anything like that, you know. So um, luckily you're able to help facilitate some of that. Um, and thank you for doing that. Thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, definitely look forward to seeing some of that stuff when it becomes available, you know.
15: Oh, you're, you're welcome. So if I could make uh, one request, mm-hmm. it was my, my birthday last week. And, oh, we uh, can sing uh, for you.
5: <laughs> <laughs> you know, we want it's to come like back
15: to you, yeah. <laughs> and I got I the, uke. the uke. Well, if Be you careful. have the uke, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> <I'm just saying laughs> no to that. Be careful what you're asking for.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we get Samuel Gimes on here.
15: <laughs> oh, he's, he's one of my favorites of all time. No, so I'm, I'm running a Facebook uh, fundraiser for uh, uh, Pandas Pans UK. Um, and uh, so I was wondering if I could post the link maybe in the uh, in the Discord, and perhaps someone could post that in the in the YouTube. Yeah, if, uh, matter promises. of fact, if
0: if you want to post it right now in the Zoom chat, I'll paste. I'll post it in the YouTube for you right now. Okay, if you're able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, real quick question yeah. uh, too. So you 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 played Cyberpunk?
15: I did. Yes, and you
0: played that in VR.
15: I did. I I used uh, Vorpex, which is a uh, a driver that lets you you know, make it work in the, in the headset. Yeah. Right.
0: And, and how was it?
15: Oh, it was yeah. awesome. And uh, even though I'm, I'm running an old rig now, it's about seven years old and it's quite a demanding game. It just looked so, so beautiful. And it, it performed pretty well, much better than my expectations. And I was getting flashbacks to the times when I've, I've walked through the streets of LA and, and San Francisco. And it's, uh, it was, it was in the middle of the day and I, I didn't have my fan on. Uh-huh. So I was getting quite hot. I normally have a fan on when, okay. I, when I play. So yeah. I'm starting to sweat. And I, I, I felt like uh, it was this, the sun beating down on me. Wow. It was making me sweat. Wow. And, and it was very hot, hot in, in L.A. And, and San Francisco when, when I was there. Yeah. So I was getting these, these flashbacks. I, I felt I could smell the metal and the things around me and wow. the environment. That's,
0: and was, I mean, that's, that's, not a, that's not a far leap for where technology is going to go. We're going to end up being like Ready Player One, where we're going to be in the Matrix yeah. before you know it. You know, yeah. As uh, as
15: Keanu Reeves said, it was breathtaking
0: yeah whoa oh, just yeah
15: um so, so I'll, I'll post that link and if i could just uh, explain what what pandas yes, is please bri- briefly uh so this condition is a misdirected immune response and results in inflammation on a child's brain in turn the child quickly begins to exhibit life-changing symptoms such as ocd anxiety tics, personality changes a decline in math and handwriting abilities sensory sensitivities restrictive eating and more so if anyone could uh chip in a a couple of bucks to help me help me reach my my goal that would be much appreciated so i'll i'll post the link in the uh in the zoom chat right yeah
0: yeah and then i'll post it in the uh, in the live feed chat
15: thank you so much Stevie. i appreciate it and thanks for having thanks for having me on
0: oh uh, always you uh, always a pleasure to have you coming on yeah and hang out hang out Um, great hearing you ben um, yeah yeah um, cool. So that was Ben VR Drakes, everybody. Let me go ahead and select. Oh, hold on. How do I get this one link here? Pardon me while I figure out how to copy and paste in real time here, live on the <laughs> internet. Uh, I believe I just did it. I believe I just copied and pasted it. So take a look Hello. at that in the live chat and awesome. let me know how that worked out. Um, well, copy and paste with Stevie Strzok. That's it. That's it. Uh, who else has uh, something to update us on? Uh oh, I see a hand in the air. Alan Murphy is raising his hand. But does like very, very polite. Ooh.
2: Ah. Ooh. So which, which wood finish this did is, you
0: get? This
14: is my left-handed custom gamester in Cocoa Silver, which was an experiment that uh, Neil and I discussed, and uh, he decided to take it on as a challenge. And this thing is amazing. I love the Coco Silver. That um, is so cool. I'm That's awesome. This will become an option that people can request. Um, the left-handed, of course, was already an option, but uh, that it, that is available there. And uh, it came in, and yeah, I get to hook this up and have a have a real good time.
11: Have you had a chance to play yeah, with it yet? Silver looks to me. Have you, had, have you had a chance yet to, to do any gameplay with it? Uh, no, no, it just came in. Oh, it just came in. Okay, yep. I've used mine a couple of times. I really do like it. It's not—it's not analog, so certain games it won't work well for. But uh, but for your left, right, up, down, it's in a it's Who nice. Else
0: got, so Brian got one. Somebody else got one recently too. Who else got one of these? I got one. Oh, Nick Marota
6: did too. Yeah. Okay.
8: Yeah, you got to play Donkey Kong Remix with their Donkey Kong arcade or Pac Man arcade. It's, I have a question for you. Amazing. What's
6: that game on your monitor? Which this one? Yeah.
14: Um, that's Brendan's RPG demo for Coco VGA. So it's a custom Coco VGA font that is implementing the map of an RPG as an example. For you know, you've got a little house down here in the corner, you got a little castle, another house, a little road going on here in a forest, some mountains. So it's just kind of showing off that you can use the Coco VGA. Uh, as an adventure game map, very easily. Uh, I think it's just kind of cool. So. It's kind of
0: like a tile set, basically. It's just by yep. re- remapping the uh, semi graphics and text and that's characters. On
14: the, uh, demo software site, the, the font that's used for that. So it's available. Um, you could start prototyping a game, your own RPG with it right now.
0: Right. And yeah, cool. No, that's cool. Yeah, again, I, I see people doing things that make me jealous and remind me of what an underachiever I am. So, uh, very, very cool. Hold on. Wait, uh, Ron, were you going to ask a question? It's a good thing. It wasn't made by blank. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Sloopy is holding Hold on. Sloopy. Let's get you spotlighted. Okay. Sloopy's on, holding see. something. Sloopy. Hang on. Okay. You are spotlighted or spot lit. Sloopy. Go ahead.
13: Yes. <coughs> My drive wire board. I've been, uh, talking about for the last, uh, Months and months. The final revision is finally here, and it is able to be used in both a Cocoa One, Two, and Three. Um, hopefully, this week the remainder of the parts will be coming in, and I will be able to offer them for sale for all the wonderful people who could want one.
10: Excellent. Uh,
13: as a recap, as a recap for people who don't haven't seen it or don't know what it does. What it does is you put it inside your Cocoa, and it includes the ROM to allow you to use DriveWire without having an additional cartridge or having to load something from the cassette in order to use DriveWire.
6: There you go. It's kind of like a DriveWire boot ROM. A DriveWire boot
0: ROM that piggybacks on your normal ROM socket. So is it software
10: addressable? So you select it by software, or...?
13: No, it uh, uses a uh, rotary switch to select uh, between three different firmwares.
0: Now that's a pretty cool project.
13: uh, Yeah, it can use either the the HDB DOS or the uh, YADOS. So
10: are you going to have a World National Corporation based um, where you can buy these things from?
13: Yes, I will uh, be posting the link. I'll be posting uh, in the uh, Coco group on uh, Facebook when uh, all the parts are in. It's a great idea.
0: Right, right. Now, yes. so this requires you to have your ROM, Your one of your ROM chips needs to be socketed on the computer for this to work, right? Because it goes in line between the ROM socket and your ROM chip?
13: Yes, the ROM socket has to be uh Uh, The ROM ROM chip has to be socketed and then there will be two wires, one or two wires to uh, connect to it, uh, depending if you have a one or two uh, ROM uh, machine. And then another one will go to a line for when it accesses the DOS.
0: What is the percentage of Cocos that have their ROM socketed versus where you might have to desolder one and put a socket in?
13: Um I do not know. I do know that uh, most Coco threes are socketed from what I understand. Okay. Uh ones ones from what one I understand are mostly socketed, and two it's a mix-up. Okay.
0: So if you've got a one or three, there's a high probability this is gonna work right away, and if you've got a cocoa two, it depends. Uh, if you
13: have a one then yes, it'll work right away. If you have a 3, right. you're likely to have to solder. And 2, it's a
0: toss-up. Oh, I thought you said the 3 was socketed.
13: No. Oh, no, it's
0: no, not water, socketed. Yeah, most of them are not. Oh, they are not. Sorry, I misheard I don't think that.
7: Anything out of the box on the Cocoa 3 is socketed. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, so what this does is it's an internal ROM that boots up to a disk ROM that has drive wire enabled, where you don't need a disk controller, you don't need an SDC, you turn on your cocoa, you're booting into DriveWire and your cartridge slot is still available where you could use other things like serial ports, uh, things like that, right? So it, it gives you a self-contained, self-booting DriveWire option, uh, MIDI pack, whatever else, right? So it, it lets you boot to DriveWire, still keeps your cartridge slot available for a variety of peripherals. However, one of those peripherals cannot be another disk controller, right? Because there's a conflict with other disk controllers or the disk basic. That's correct. Okay.
13: Yes, that is correct, but if you do want to use another disk controller or a cocoa sdc, there isn't a enable disable switch on it, so it's not like you have to remove okay. it to use a there, disk okay. controller.
9: All right. But so is this address such that it has to be in the rom socket or can it be in a disk controller rom socket?
13: Um you can put it in the disk controller ROM socket, but there'd be no
0: real point. Right. Yeah. You can just, right. This, ROM, is, this is meant to not yeah. need a disk controller.
9: Well, the the idea right. being if you didn't want to solder something in, but you just wanted your yeah, drive to work, if you had like a, a ROM pack, a, a, yeah, an you know, RS232 that had a ROM socket
0: in it, could you solder yeah. this up there? And, yes, but it wouldn't really be needed because you can
13: just. Um, you can just put h b d dos on the ROM, yeah you, you can just put h d v dos on the ROM and put it in there, and it'll work. This is so that you don't need to use an an external cartridge
9: I understand i'm just thinking yeah. about people who don't want to solder on their motherboards
1: right
13: well, yeah. yeah, I mean the thing is is the only thing you'd have to solder your to your motherboard would be an actual socket so
1: I mean, the
6: one advantage not, of yours versus just a straight ROM replacement in a disk controller is that you have the switch to go between HDB-DOS, YA-DOS, and regular, and
0: regular DOS. Basis. So and you yeah. have
6: that as a feature that's not yeah. on a
13: standard ROM socket on a disk yeah, controller. Yeah, because it allows yeah, it allows you to use two, two types of HDB-DOS. So if you're on, like, Coco3, you can set it for the Coco2 HDB-DOS um, with drive wire, which allows slower speed, so that your machine isn't running in high speed all the time. So when you're like playing games and such, you don't have to worry about doing a, a, a low speed poke, so to speak, before you run the game.
0: Have you thought of a clever name for this product? <laughs> well, get, get a hold of marketing. We'll,
10: I'm not.
13: I'm not, I'm not clever,
10: so. <laughs> well, your name's clever. How did you come up with your name, Sloopy?
13: Um, basically, in high school, I uh, hung out with two other people uh, with the name Chris, which is the unimaginative name my parents gave me. And uh, we needed uh, nicknames. And someone uh, mentioned my similarities to the Sloopy in the song um hang on sloopy by the McCoys. And I says, Yeah, but I'm not a girl and they said, So? You're Sloopy. Right?
0: All right, there you go. And it's stuck. Okay. And the rest is and history.
13: Since yep, since I was fourteen, I've been Sloopy.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, let us know when that's ready, and then we'll post it in Discord and on Facebook, and well, you can plug it back here in the show again too. That's pretty cool. So there will be a certain uh, percentage of people who would like that, even though you might even have a way to not need it. You might just want to have it anyways, and it might be some people that say this is a really cost effective way for me to get drive wire going and not need a multi pack and not need an STC and just get me up and run so it. So it will definitely fill a need for certain individuals, and it's great and. I think we mentioned this before, you're kind of new to the COCO and the fact that you're already coming here and you're working on hardware projects and creating a product in a short period of time is, is kudos to you, sir, and thanks for doing that.
6: We do we have a question Thank for you, you, Sleepy, from AC's 8-bit zone, too. Does the internal drive wire board need to make soldered wired connections to the main board?
13: Um, on a Color Computer 3 and a Model 2A, it needs to make one connection on the previous machines it needs to make two
1: connections
6: okay so Alan hopefully that answers your
13: question
0: and you can always ping him on discord if you need to because I know AC is out there
13: Cool. Thank I have no life. So I'm always on the kid. This word. <laughs> Thank you, Sloopy.
0: Uh, who else had a little show and tell something to share? Oh, Jason is raising his hand. We're very polite here today on the show with the hand raising. Oh, I, I know. I like right? that. I'm just waving around. <laughs> like
7: I just don't care. Right. Uh-huh. Um, uh, just a, a couple brief little things here. Some of them, cocoa, some of them, not quite cocoa, but we'll retro, we'll just squeeze those in. First of all, and no, no shame, attempt at not a shameless plug, but just wanted to update everybody on the, the Joey Hi-Res, which, again, since we're on a new channel, just to uh, familiarize everyone, this is a joystick or controller switch box for the Coco. And this particular one, I, I have one that doesn't have this, but it has three inputs. And then this has the option, has a built-in Hi-Res joystick interface. And uh, also features, um, and you don't have to unplug anything, also features they pass-through if you want to plug your cassette recorder into that. And uh, also, uh, like the, other, the previous version, lets you switch between the left and right joystick port because, for some reason, as we all know, that doesn't seem to be standardized between different games. But, uh, but I, I just want to, I'm working on these, I've got all the initial pre-orders are now filled. And I'm now working on the second group of pre-orders, and that group is still open if anyone is interested. Of course, they can go to right over there, Cocoman.biz. Again, a great little sign. My uh, my brother Ken made it from Ken. Can Ken Make It, or is it Ken's Cocoa Corner, one of those places, or maybe both. Uh, so just wanted to update everybody on that. That's proceeding. Uh, and then just a little update on the uh, Coleco Atom. Uh, for those who don't know the Coleco Adam. I've been playing around with that a bit, and it and here's the thing, the most infamous thing that most people probably know if they're familiar with the Atom is, to run the Atom, the printer is the power supply. I have this huge printer, and you have you have to drag that around for the power supply. And, again, I'm going to be using this for gaming, and, uh, you know, I don't need to print, and I'm going to have this huge printer laying around here. So what I obtained uh, is actually from uh, uh, Jameco. I got, uh, purchased it via... Amazon is at uh, this uh, switching power supply by this uh, company called mean well. And I actually uh, saw a video on, oh, and there's a cat here. Wants attention now, uh, of course. Yes. As I'm talking, I must be talking to you, right kitty. Uh, so has some nice screw terminals and all the voltages. Cause it's actually dual voltage. You need five volts and 12 volts plus and negative. And uh, so I was watching a video on uh, YouTube that a uh, fellow that uh, actually built this directly in, to the Atom and uh, the life of me right now, I can't remember Oh, what was it? Re- Retro System Rescue is the channel on YouTube. Whole video about that. I'm going to try that. I think I may just try this externally first, but I'm not really keen about having AC wires exposed.
5: So
7: <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it as a test and then I, I'll go for the, the internal build. It's a lot smaller than it looked in the picture, so this is going to fit really nicely. There's a lot of extra room and the atom for this, I'm guessing they didn't put a power supply in it because it was just you know a cost issue. And of course, okay, here he is. Here's Rocky.
10: Hey, Rocky.
7: He's he's, he's, uh, he's wanting attention, so here he is. There you go. Now, are you ready for your close up? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mister Rocky. There it's been you go. a while
0: since we had a cocoa cat on the show, so that's good. Yeah, it's been a while. So it's
7: been a while. Okay, you're yeah. yeah the checks in the mail, Rocky. I'll, uh. Uh, I'll I'll give I'll give you extra wet food later. I think
9: uh, the idea was the linear power supply would hold the printer in place on your desktop
0: by its <laughs> sheer
9: weight.
7: <laughs> it is pretty darn heavy. It's what's I,
0: known I, as a gravity mount.
7: <laughs> gravity mount. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, last but not least, again. Ooh. A, ooh. 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 <gasps> yeah. ooh. Um, <clears throat> last but not least, uh, you know... Uh, wiring up all those wires and toggle switches. And this is actually something I forgot from last week. I got this last week, forgot to show it off. But uh, I use a lot of heat shrink tubing, uh, specifically two millimeters. I think that's like 1164 as well. Uh, the place I usually get it from, they were on vacation. So I just uh, over the holidays when I needed more. And I, f- I found another source and I went ahead and bought this. This is out of frame. This is 200 meters Of two millimeter heat shrink tape. Now, 200 meters, that is like 656 feet of this two millimeter or sixty-fourths of an inch (laughs) heat shrink tubing. You're good. But for the price, I was paying for about 100 feet of it. So I guess it's all about the economies of scale. Yeah. But this is what I use the most. And uh, that's the most heat shrink tubing I've ever bought. So uh,
9: (laughs) don't leave it inside a sunny window.
7: No, 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 no. (laughs) That would be bad. But so that will that, that'll, that'll help because this is pretty much this is pretty much using most cocoman.biz products.
0: All right, another that's shameful shameful plug there. Shameful, shameful sh-
7: plug right there. Yes. Shame yeah,
0: shame on you for all yeah, your that's shameful where you get your, plugs.
7: Well, and that that Coco Three video solution that I won't mention the name of, but you can yeah. find out. But
0: there. you can find out about it on cocoman.biz. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. See, how much is that switchy thing?
7: Which uh, oh the the uh, the, high res res? yeah the high okay the high res is uh, right now it's uh it's fifty five dollars plus shipping Uh, that is the special introductory pre pre order price
0: okay okay yep. Fifty-five plus shipping, and the shipping happens to be four hundred and
7: ninety-five dollars.
0: But that's no, okay.
5: No, it's, <laughs> <from our totally laughs> it's, it's you know, I'm not making
7: I'm not making a I'm not making any money on shipping. Any shipping charges I charge are for yeah. the actual postage. And you know, a lot of people don't realize you know, mailing materials, boxes, and packing. Yeah, that's, it's not that's cheap. Not free it's either.
5: Not
0: cheap. No. But you
7: so pass that, the savings. That's all going towards the off. That's all that the, the shipping charges all go towards offsetting the cost of shipping, and you know there's there's no money being made on that.
10: They're um, shipped from
0: Australia.
7: No, not from Australia. <laughs> they're Australian inspired products. Yeah, they're, yes. they're, they're shipped here from the United States.
0: Does anybody else have an? Oh, Brian, wait, raising his hand, i Now oh, that's a, pack, a pack of
7: lunch, everybody. I hope everyone's <laughs> comfortable. This is yeah, probably gonna right. take a while.
11: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> No, I'll give. I, I might be reaching out to you, Jason, on that power supply because that looks like the one um, that I was looking at to install into a dragon that I don't have a power supply for because it does have the negative twelve, which is nice. So you
7: might want to talk to David Ladd. I think he did something or he was working on it, but it is a it is a Meanwell RQ50B, as in boy. Okay, but, thank uh, you. I would I would check with David. I think he was working on a similar project.
11: Very good. Thank you. Um, a couple of things here I'd like to show. Uh, one is a little, uh, a, a small group of uh, that I bid on on eBay there. And uh, one item in particular, but here's the other items that were uh, in with the group uh, before I show the main thing that I was really interested in, though. But in there was a um, June 1984 uh, rainbow on tape. Oh. And the little, the little, the little insert there. Nice. The- no-
0: nowhere near as nice as a dragon tape, but still, that's pretty nice.
11: <laughs> Pretty nice, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, one of these tapes that we all think are kind of cool looking there.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, the Deluxe Certified bell, Computer deluxer, Cassette. Yep. And look at that. It's certified. This, do you actually mm-hmm. have the but, certificate of certification that accompanies uh, that? No, it is actually missing <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, you know. I believe that
6: certification just means it's certified at cost more. <laughs> yeah, certified. <laughs> it <laughs> says certified right on the box.
11: <laughs> and then just one of the one of the good old standards there. There the, the, uh Certified. The, the, the C20 you know. there. Um, also in the box was a uh, – If you're trying to analyze your music, there is our good old uh, audio spectrum analyzer. With unfortunately a slightly damaged manual where Mm. it got uh, razor bladed off or something. I'm not sure what happened there. But Mm. uh, anyway. And then, uh, of course, uh, what everybody needs in their collection there, because it would not be complete, would be a boxed uh, color
0: Color file. file.
11: Absolutely.
5: Absolutely.
11: And then the the, the main thing that this is what I I was bidding on, I looked at the picture and. I kept on looking at it, kept on looking at it. I actually messaged the seller three times, and they never once replied back to me because I was asking for pictures. But without showing the front, does anybody recognize this?
0: It is a a tin connecting.
11: DS69. Nope, Uh, Ron for for the win there. So it did not have a label on it, Um, but there was a hole on the front of it, and I thought I recognized it. I actually made this label myself. Um, I took a, scan, took a scanned image.
7: Digi and, uh, sector.
11: It, yep. <laughs> yep, yep. Now, uh, did
7: you clearly mark that label as a reproduction? Uh, no, I did not. Oh, so,
11: shame on you! But,
10: uh, how, how do you know it's not a B?
11: The, the the difference is is the position of the hole. This one here is a this this one um, the the, the B one the, the holes off to the side. Hmm. So the, the mm-hmm. position of the holes in a different spot between the, the, the one and the B. So
0: that's really cool. It's very authentic but, uh, looking label.
11: The, the thing that's kind of surprising is that uh, these things usually sell. I've seen these things been on eBay for $150, $175. Uh, people Does it really work? it. Um, I haven't fully tested it yet. No, that's what I need to find out. So, but, uh, the, the, the good thing about it was, is that, uh, this whole, this little group I paid, I only paid $22 for all of that wow so so wow. that was and the i mean i i wanted to message back the seller and say do you know what you actually had on this uh, listing there but um oh well probably not the best thing to do <laughs> no i won't let them know and then a book that i picked up and uh it does feature the uh the color computer in it um it's it, one of those that has uh, all the different brands but it's just basic programming for kids i like the cover that's why i picked this one up i thought i was like gonna, that too yeah
0: it's kind of in really good it. shape too it's very shiny
11: Yep, very shiny. Uh, the, bindings uh, the bindings not, uh, not creased or Yeah, so, nice.
0: Yep, yeah.
11: pristine.
0: So.
11: And then a couple different magazines. I don't have the the whole issues, but I have just single issues of some of these. Um, one that I had not seen before. Uh, it's called Basic Computing for the TRC TR, the TRS-80 User Journal, and it covers all the different uh, you know you know the Model One Hundred, uh, the Two, Three, Four, even the Color Computer. This one happens to have a uh, An article in here for the Color Computer, but I just picked up this one issue. I thought it was kind of interesting. I'd seen this one, but uh, um, kind of an interesting one. I was going to read through that one a little bit, and then one called the uh, Micro, uh, the sixty-five hundred two and sixty-eight hundred nine Journal. Interesting. That was one, Curtis. If you had seen that one before, maybe before.
6: I've heard of it. I've never actually seen one before, but uh.
11: yeah. So I picked up a copy of that. And then one that's uh, the kind of cool. Sixty-eight
6: Micro Journal was a, a popular one starting in the late seventies. Seventies, so okay. Did a lot of technical stuff from the Coke when it first was released.
11: Um, family Computing—that's that was a magazine, but they had this one. That just it was kind of a separate issue of just ten starter programs from Family Computing. So it just has a couple different uh, uh, ten, well, ten different programs in there. So that was kind of just one I picked up as well. And then the last thing I'd like to show—I had never seen this before. I've been Googling, trying to find information. I've only found one reference to it, but it was this here that was out on eBay. I don't know if anybody saw that listed on eBay.
0: Level
10: four, yeah,
11: level
5: five Productions. Level five, okay, Inc. sorry. Well, oh,
6: level Oops,
11: four. Yeah, level four products. Um, yeah,
6: level yeah, four. Are, I'm sorry, the yeah.
11: rainbow. I remember
5: that. Yeah, I did like you remember? the
6: remember?
11: because ra- I, I I did a search on the rainbow art, or the rainbow magazine on the uh, archive.org, and I could not find any. I couldn't find any reference. I'll have to go look some more and see if I could. Because the the only thing I could find was uh, they they talked about the company there in Michigan. Um, They're around, well, it was almost 42 years ago, and they they, uh, uh, dissolved uh, the company back in 1996. But basically, this is just a really super nice case, aluminum case. Yeah. But all that's in here is a Radio Shack um, 3022 controller. Um, in there, here I, I have all the screws off but one. Let me pull this one last screw so out. So, were right
0: they here. reselling that, or did somebody just replace the board? Maybe they lost the original board. Was this originally like its own third-party disc controller, or uh,
11: it, it seems to be? I mean, it's 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 mounted in here really nice. It's on some standoffs and everything. But mm. it's it even says um, uh, it even says that the Candy Corporation. Yeah, I don't know if it's coming into focus here or not, but uh, it is just a thirty twenty two controller. Um, inside this, so I don't know if that's what they did. They just they were reselling these, or they had a surplus of these boards, and they put a nice, uh, nice, nice case, cover, yeah, nice cover case on it. And uh, oops,
0: that's a real nice case, yeah. So yeah,
9: a metal case, and they trimmed the pots and got the alignment straight, and said, there you go, it's a nice <laughs> you, controller now."
11: There, there you go. So yeah, so I don't. I thought that one was kind of interesting. There, I picked that one up uh, uh, the other day as well. So.
0: Quite the haul there.
11: Yeah. That's all I have to share today.
0: Okay, cool. Thank you for sharing. Anybody else have an update, acquisition, or anything they want to share? Anyone? Anyone? Okay. Well, then I have two things. One of them is just a kind of pre-announcement. And the other one is something I can show. So the pre-announcement is the Cocoa Pie image is getting updated. Uh, There's going to be a new one for the Pi 3 and the Pi 4 and the Pi 4 image will also work on the Pi 400. So there's some updates, there's some things added, there's a few things that are enhanced and I'm in the process of testing some of those and they'll be available to the public very soon. Um, and so, what was noted before was that Ron Klein had tested his Coco Pi Four image on his uh, Pi Four Hundred. For those who don't know, the Pi Four Hundred is like a Raspberry Pi with a built-in keyboard. Kind of looks like a Commodore One Twenty Eight. It's like a white, wide keyboard with a Raspberry Pi built into it. And so, that's the latest Raspberry Pi thing that's a lot of people in retro hobbies are kind of drooling over. And Ron Klein's image worked on that device, but the image that we have on the website did not. And the main difference was is that Ron does his um, operating system updates. So he was always updating the Raspbian operating system. And those updates fixed whatever the keyboard drivers and USB driver problems were from the old image so the new image will be already updated to be forward compatible with the rest with the pi 400 um, device and there's other things on there like it's going to have beta six already on there that you can just pull and install um, some of the features that we had added in the june release were not quite working but the ability to auto update raspberry pi and the ability, because because that was kind of the challenge, is that every six months, once a year, there'd be a new image. You'd have to reburn the image to get the latest version of Pi. So we're trying to do kind of like an auto-update feature. That feature was implemented and kind of sort of worked, but also kind of didn't work because of all the stuff behind the scenes, what the scripts were trying to do and what they were trying to talk to. They were just kind of losing their um, their trust to each other. So Ron Klein's been working behind the scenes. So the new version will already have the latest version of Raspbian that will be compatible with, with Pi 400 and pi4 it will allow you to automatically update the raspberry pi system when future updates come out so you don't have to keep reburning it and it also we were fixing the ability to auto update mame because that was not working either so as new mame releases come out you can just go to the utility menu hit update mame and it'll download and update mame and then you can also go from the utility menu and select which version of mame you want to run because sometimes we got to go back for certain reasons, for compatibility reasons or stability reasons. So you'll always be able to have the latest version of MAME and selectively go back to a different version. So these features were all implemented but had various degrees of effectiveness depending on who who was trying it and how they were trying it. So all of those things will be fixed. There will be some more surprises, too, that we will wait for the official announcement. But just know that a lot of work being done by Ron Klein has been happening And I am uh, testing a lot of that too. Another concern was the size of the image and the size of the SD card that you needed to burn the image to. I know a few people were complaining about needing a 32 gig card or I had a 32 gig card and it wouldn't expand to the 32 gig card. So there was a, a handful of questions and concerns about that. So the image has been uber compacted where the actual file is only about five gigabytes for the download and it will extract to as small as a 16 gigabyte um, SD card, but it's it's strongly suggested you have at least a 32, and if you're going for the Pi 4, go for a 64. And, and I already hear people saying, well, why do I need 64 gigabytes to emulate an 8-bit system? And the reason why is there's just a shit ton of, of stuff you can download and add to it. You can download the entire Ultimate SDC image. You can download um, Yados, which doesn't take a lot of space, but you can download the uh, latest ease-of-use beta. You can download Ron Klein's hard drive that's got three 3,000 disk images you can run from YaDOS. there's just so much stuff you can add to this um, that it ends up taking more space like when I tried to add the ultimate SDC image to the 16 big 16 gig SD card I ran out of space so I did test that it would burn to it and it would extend to a 16 gig I got nitrous 9 installed I got YaDOS installed and as soon as I tried to add that third repository <laughs> I ran out of space on a 16 gig freaking SD card so do I need more yes you you need more and it's not a lot of money and if you, if, if, if the price of the SD card is your complaint then the Coco Pie is not the solution for you and you know find one that you don't have to complain about but this is an incredible project and there's a ton of stuff going into it and I'm really excited about sharing a new update with you guys in the very 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 near future and so the website for that is Coco-Pie.com and we of course we've got a channel on Discord for it somewhere between the Cassette channel and the David Ladd channel somewhere in there right so there's a Coco Pie Discord channel too. So that is a, an announcement. Now let me show you my acquisition. And so I'm using a different camera right now, which does not autofocus. And not that like you need to see me clearly, but I want to oh, um, show sorry. off my acquisition. But I actually got this last week. It arrived right as you guys were going off the air. But this is Creating Adventure Games on Your Computer uh, by Master Gamesman... And the author is, I can't read it right now, Tim Hartnell. Tim Hartnell. So this is basically how to create a text adventure game in BASIC. And this this came out in like 1983. It's cross-platform. It's designed to work on any Microsoft type basic. So, to work on the Commodores and the Ataris and the Apple Softs and obviously the Cocos. So, it's simple, simplified, kind of universal basic commands for creating a text adventure, which is my next project that I am working on. I am working on a text adventure ish type game that will not initially be on the Coco, but will eventually be on the Coco. I'm actually writing it in QB64, so you can run it on a modern PC. It'll run on Windows. It'll run on the Mac OS. It'll run on Linux. And surprise, surprise, it's also going to run on the Coco Pi. So it's going to look like an MS-DOS-type game, so it's still going to be a very 80s-style looking game, and it's going to be based on the coding techniques I'm learning from this book from 1983, so it's going to be very much retro-infused project, but it will be playable on modern systems without the need for an emulator or anything else like that. And then it'll eventually be ported to Nitrous 9 and things like that, too, because it's going to be written in BASIC. So this is the book I'm going to be using for my current project that I will be hopefully working on more in the near future when I don't have to deal with a few other things that are going on right now. So that concludes my update. This is like the original game engine. Exactly, exactly. And I remember reading a book a long time ago, years ago, because I, I in, my, in my dumb brain, I would have made it an adventure like 10, you know, print, you're in this room, input this, and then 20, go to 40, that you're in this room. If I type west, then go to line 500. You know, I would have had no clue on how to structure this. And then I read a book that kind of broke it down into um, data statements and, you know, making it more logical. And I had actually written a text adventure that I was running on my bulletin board at the time that people could play online and I had ANSI graphics and color and all kinds of stuff. So I had done one back in the late 80s, early 90s. But, of course, I've completely forgotten it all. So I figure it's going to be a retro-style game. I want to base it on retro-type game logic and then expand upon that as I learn it and tweak it and add to it and stuff like that. So it'll be a never-ending work in progress. Yeah, I like what you're pointing there, too. Yeah,
6: I will mention uh, George Murr used to do articles in Rainbow. He also did some commercial products for the Cocoa back in the day, too. And he had a really good adventure. It was called AdvMaker he did in the August 1982 rainbow that has a skeletal structure and shows you how to do the data statements and all that kind of stuff too. So that's another resource if you don't have the book that Stevie has for doing that kind of...
0: And, and this book is available on, on an archive. I think it was on the Atari. One of the Atari archives is actually where I found the book. So I've got the online version, but I really want this version because like I wish I, I kept saying I'm going to buy this so I can keep it with me in the car. So if I'm waiting somewhere for something, I can just sit down and read, right? And the other day I was getting an oil change and of course I didn't have it with me. It would have been the perfect time to sit down and read while I'm waiting My oil change, you know, so so this will be with me. I don't like reading websites. I don't like reading electronic documents. I don't know why. Even though, yeah, I could have it up on my monitor here while I'm doing stuff over here. For some reason, certain reading, I just like to read it on paper because I don't know why. I'm old, yes, I get it, but to me, it just this is my preference on how I like to do...
6: It's part of the nostalgia, too, I think, because I'm, yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah. Right.
0: And I, so, I think this was about 35 bucks, So it wasn't terribly cheap, but it's in really good condition. And I actually, the first place I looked, which is where you'd expect to find this, was eBay. And there were people on eBay that were asking, like, 900 freaking dollars for this book. I'm like, yes. yeah, that's not going to happen. So of all places, I found it on Amazon for like 35 bucks from some, you know, b- book reseller. And I got it in like less than a week. It wasn't prime or anything, but eh, for, you know, maybe 40 bucks with for shipping, it's really good. It's, you know, it's clean, it's it's in good shape and so I'm I'm happy to have it. So Listen, I listen, it, it, I'm, I'm I'm no Brian Weasler when it comes to the book collection, okay? So. <laughs> well,
7: just just remember, Stevie, it's like don't get too don't get too stressed out by the reading. Just sound out the big yeah, words. Yeah, sound out the big words.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Does anybody else have anything they want to update or share or anything else? Anyone? I'm sure just for a quick second. Uh-oh, ladies and gentlemen, Rondo Vo is going to share. All right. I will nope. stop sharing just to make sure you can share.
10: All right.
0: Like uh, your shirt there, Ron. Hey. Welcome to Ron's Garage. Hold on. It's not showed up yet. Wait no, for it. Not- Wait for Open it. It. Open it. Open it up. Wait for Oh, there we go. Radio Shack mm-hmm. Color Computer. Well, I like hey. that, Ron. I like well, that. What
10: would be cool is to have somebody uh, make a program that uh, sound and speech could uh and, and his lips moving yeah you know, right? wouldn't that be cool <laughs> that was his arms jerking around yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: that wouldn't be too hard to do that's all <laughs> oh did you say you had a video on there too of that printer you had or is that going to take too long
5: to yeah, find Yeah, but
10: that's on another it's okay i'd have to search for it okay no. you can find it it's, it's
0: online okay ron's garage thanks guys yeah no problem
6: well, thank so you stevie Ron. If you didn't notice, so Jim Rye had a comment in the stream. Oh, outhouse reading? <laughs> yeah, outhouse reading. That was good. Ah, and timely. timely.
0: Yes, yes. Okay. So we have a new and updated outro, which we're going to play, and then we'll be back for final thoughts. But there was, uh, listen, in the history of Coco Talk Shows, and there hasn't been a lot, but in the history of Coco Talk Shows, I could probably say we are one of the first Coco Talk Shows where we've had a gender transition. So um, we, I, have to, I had to correct the uh, outro to now thank Danny O'Connor, amongst other people as well. So um, enjoy, and I have also updated the slideshow, because we've accumulated much more pictures. As a matter of fact, I had so many pictures, it's got to run really fast. But enjoy this new and improved outro, and then we'll be back for our final... Final thoughts. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tainty Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, visit the Patreon link on our site, CocoTalk.live. CocoTalk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, D. Bruce Moore, Nick Morentis, Ron Delvo, Rick Adams, Jason Reichert, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Reichert, Danny O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Alan Murphy, Rick Ulan, Grant Leedy, Samuel Gimes, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and to James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. Please help support the Cocoa community by visiting some of its sponsors list of various resources and contributors are available on our website at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot The original Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. The new Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2020 by D. Bruce Moore. Both are mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever! The first, um, uh, kookaburra cable at VCF uh, Midwest.
7: Yeah, he came up to me and said, Hey, you're, aren't you the switcheroo guy?
0: <laughs> I'm like,
7: I've been recognized. Yes. Please.
0: That was the first, the first uh, kookaburra sale, right? Was that your splitter? Yeah, cable? yeah. he
7: was the second kookaburra, sale
0: yeah, right. You. Yeah, I, I don't remember his name right now, but he was on our um, virtual yeah, Cocoa Fest too, and he did the uh, Dungeons of Daggerath online. Uh, that you can play like that idiot from the book.
8: Jason is a Z-list celebrity. How does it feel?
0: Uh, I think it's more like triple Z. Now, now, Mr. Canadian, it's
7: Z-list.
8: Hello. I was translating for Jason. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed, you know. Oh, Oh, oh,
6: I'm easily confused.
8: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
6: Real-time translation provided by Nick Marotta. That's right. I
7: I, I was concerned when you said there was going to be more pick and they were going to be sure that I was going to be short on screen time, but
0: nah, they no, they just
7: added more pictures of me. To
0: That's it, just to make up for to that, to compensate. Yes, so, yes, there's, so there's, there's no,
7: there's going to be no issue with my contract.
0: It's in your writer, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
7: and you have one of my mullet shots, and
6: there's so yeah. thanks a lot for that. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> as always, I want so
7: dream-
0: to th- thank th- the panel. Th- I really appreciate you guys for you. this. This it, the doing this show is it makes my week. It literally does because you know, listen, even before COVID, real life is sometimes stressful. So it's nice to have that safe place, that happy place you can go to maybe once a week for a couple of hours and just have fun. And so I want to thank you guys for, number one, being a fun group of people to hang out with, but also for just really providing a really quality show, especially because when I'm not on the show, the show is even better. So it's the show is nothing about me. It is about us, and you guys do a hell of a job. You make for an amazing show. Thank you, Mark Bosley, for always being there to stream for us, and, and all the content we get from everybody, all these incredible Samuel Gimes clips, and our theme songs. I mean, it's it's such, it's to such the collaboration. It really it does my heart well. And obviously our audience who's here, who watches every week, this is why we do it. We do it for the Community. We do it for the audience. We do it because we like it, but other people like it too. It's become a tradition, you know. People are here and are dedicating their Saturday to share this time with us, and we appreciate you and everybody in the live chat, like Jim Rye and Sloopy and AC's Eight Bit Zone and Ken Reichert and David Lord and uh, all kinds of people out here. De Bruce Moore was out there kevin holloway and so on and so forth and um listen it's a hobby we're doing this for fun but we try to take things seriously too we're trying to pay respect to the um, systems and the platforms and the people and just have fun while we're doing it so thank you all for being here god bless you all coco forever parting thoughts anybody want to say anything anyone anyone just yell it out
7: push the button frank say goodbye everybody
13: goodbye
5: everybody. everybody
7: all right